cigars all around Cheers, y'all Welcome, my friends, to this little radio program known internationally because I have a friend who's uh, visiting Mexico this week and he was going to be uh, checking out the show. So That's amazing. We are known internationally <laughs> right. as Smoking and Toasting. Welcome to the program. Welcome to show number 142. Uh, we are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And we are brought to you by the fine folks and excellent chefs and bar maniacs. That's a new word I made up this week, bar maniacs. Bar maniacs. Because d- can you think of a oh, no, better word? To describe our friend Jeremiah at B&B Butchers yeah, and Restaurant. He's, he's pretty over the top. Man. Yeah, bar mania. It's what he is. He's a bar mania. Have you ever been to B&B Butchers? I haven't. I've heard good things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Take I, a date. I'll, it's fantastic. I'll tell you. Yeah, not only is the food great and the bacon is in another yeah. world, another universe, uh, but they have a, an extremely well-curated bar. And they are located at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And there's also uh, B&B Lemon, or BB Lemon, which BB is Lemon. Uh, which is on uh, Washington Ave, and BB Italia, uh, which uh, our boy Tom in the office here told me this week he went to BB Italia. And he said it was amazing. And I, we haven't been yet. Yeah, so I have to go we, there. We got we to gotta go check it out. So... Uh, so welcome to the show. It's show number 142. We have um, Backfish Brewing is in the house, and we're going to also share with you uh, from an article from Maxim Magazine, 10 Great Cigars to Smoke Right Now. See, when they put right now on it, I'm like... Did you did you bring some of those so I can have one right now? Right now? Well, I, I should have, but the thing that I took from that is like, you know... I smoke a lot of cigars. I don't know if I can smoke ten right now, <laughs> right now. <laughs> all at once. Yeah, just one right after the other. You just line them up in the Ooh, ashtray, baby. That would be that would be a big day of smoking. That would a, that would be like when we were in Honduras. <laughs> you, know, be like. <laughs> you know those uh, ashtrays? They call them the stinky ashtrays. Yeah, the They're ones. The big the, bowl. The, yeah, it's a bowl. Yeah. And then I got you one of those for your right, birthday. That's right. I have right. one outside, and it has four uh, little uh, yeah. cigar holder uh, yeah, uh, yeah, spots on spots, it. Yeah, I got a buddy of mine that got one for his table outside, and it is. I mean, it's. Almost two feet across. Well, I think yours is because I, I bought it for you for a gift. I think it's actually called the Lil Stinky. Right. Like this Lil thing could Nas hold X. all ten of those cigars. Yeah. It's got because it's got all those th- all the way around. It's like yeah. for a cigar party. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I, have, I I don't collect very many things anymore. I used to collect all kinds of stuff. I collected books and CDs and DVDs and stuff. And now I just you know stream everything and do everything digitally. But the one thing that I do do still kind of collect. Well, I collect cigars, but of course they burn and then go away. Yeah. Uh, but I do collect uh, ashtrays, and I, so I've got all these really cool ashtrays. I love finding new ones and buying them, but I kind of use the same one all the time. I love the one that you have that's the rectangle, Uh huh. and it has the spot for your cigar on each end, yes. but it has the little sliding piece in the middle that allows yes. you to adjust for the length of and, your cigar. And that's a beautiful, yeah, I mean, that's really, a really nice, really nice one. Well done. I bought that actually at uh, one of the uh, Stogie's... Um, uh, the events, the big wingding, yeah, yeah. yes, wingding uh, nice. thing. They they had that at a table. So, uh, anyway, welcome to the show. It's going to be really good. We're excited about backfish. We're excited about um, some of the things that are going on in the news. Not so excited about a few others. And uh, then we also will be tasting. Uh, I brought a new one today, and I think I think you might be excited about this. It's the Don Abraham Organic 
single estate Añejo tequila. Organic. Now, I've noticed from most grocery stores that when you put the word organic in front of it, that means incredibly it, it expensive. It costs more. Yeah, this one, to be <laughs> honest, was not that pricey. It was. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say it was about a $40 bottle, which is not at all bad for no, a bottle no, of Añejo. But uh, I also was thinking about this. It Wouldn't all tequila be organic? I mean, unless you were using like pesticides and stuff on the agave, which I don't think that yeah, most of them do, right? Not all beer is organic, but that's true. But what what does qualify as organic, really? I mean, because you have there has to be some, you know. I think so. Measure. So our usage of the word organic has been changed over the years, and obviously, well, what it means think, in the yeah. grocery aisle, it means you know no pesticides. But organic really just means carbon based, which I think most, you know. Most things are. Which would mean that you and I are both organic. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. <laughs> and I've never been now, accused of that. Now, the stand for this microphone is not. <laughs> Correct. But <laughs> because it's not carbon-based. Yeah. But that makes sense. So, uh, anyway, so I, I think you could probably label almost any plants organic. Yes. If it was ever alive, it's actually organic by yeah. the definition of the term organic. My, my favorite thing is when something that has never had GMO, they start advertising it as non-GMO. non-GMO right? <laughs> like, oh, we, we crafted a new formula. It's non-GMO. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not... Global Mountain Organization. What is GMO? I don't remember. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> get, so, your, get your gluten-free gluten yeah. here. So uh, in addition to Maxim Magazine's uh, 10 Great Cigars to Smoke right now, which we'll share those with you, uh, Uproxx, which is a pretty cool uh, website, has named the best independent American whiskeys. And that'll be an interesting uh, awesome. list to take a look at as well. And as if all of that wasn't enough, Jim Beam Black beat a whiskey that cost almost $3,000 a bottle in a recent taste test. So we'll have the results of that for you and tell you a little bit about what happened. Jim Beam Black, I think it's $23, $24. Yep. So, um, and and not bad, although I wouldn't put it in my favorites it's the, category. It's the step up above Jim Beam. Right, exactly. Which so standard it's, yeah, Tennessee yeah, whiskey. Yeah. So, do you have a bottle of Jim Beam Black in your bar at home? I do not. Okay, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think so. I do not. So, all right. So, we'll talk about that. So, uh, so um, we have. We're very excited to uh, introduce uh, Caleb from Backfish, uh, to, who's our guest on the show today. Caleb, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, uh, let's. We'll get into the in-depth questions, like I know any in-depth questions, but we'll get into the questions about the beer uh, in in the next segment. But before we go any further, Backfish. Bakefish, which one's correct, and what does it mean? Where did it come from? Uh, backfish. Backfish, The yeah. uh, two owners, uh, Brian and Chris, mm-hmm. is what back stands for. Okay, Brian and Chris. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, and then uh, fish would be... Uh, what they like to do? Chris's uh, in college, uh, micro or um, marine biology. Okay. So... So that's it's, where the fish comes in. So well, it's a very cool name, and we've uh, we've had some of the beers on the show before, and always liked them, and always thought, you know, something going on there in Pearland. You know what yep. I mean? <laughs> there's a, there's something going on. So we'll let you tell us about the origins of the brewery and some of the things that you guys uh, do, and and what's uh, what's in the future. And and I'm really curious to get your take. How long has uh, Backfish been operating? Uh, a little over three years. Okay, so I'll be real interested to get your taste on where. The whole craft beer thing is right now because it's changed a lot uh, in yes. the three years since you guys mm-hmm. uh, came onto the scene. So, uh, so anyway, I think it'll be a, a very interesting uh, show. Oh, by the way, Metallica has found a new distiller to replace the uh, 
the late and great uh, Dave, Pickerel. Uh, Dave Pickerel. Thank mm-hmm. you. For some reason, I was just having a brain fart. I couldn't think of his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, who has been on the show and is quite a character and quite a distiller, yes, uh, who came up with the recipe for Blacken, Metallica's mm-hmm. uh, 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 whiskey, uh, he passed away unexpectedly last year in San Francisco. And so they've, they've chosen his successor, basically, to kind of take over the reins of Blacken. So we'll tell you a little like, bit. How do you follow that up? Well, it's, it's kind of a double whammy. You're following arguably the biggest name, if not certainly one of the best. Oh, yeah. The big, but the biggest name in distilling. And it's basically like you just got invited to join Metallica. I mean, think about it. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? It's kind of a cool thing. So, uh, yeah. So no pressure. In right, other words, right. No pressure. So, so it's been a very interesting week for me. I assume it has been for you, but I'm hoping you found time to smoke something interesting, Ian. Now you know I did. Yeah, I had a feeling. It's yeah. summertime, after all. It's, <laughs> it is summertime. I have a little bit lighter schedule over the summer. Not that I don't fill it up with all kinds of stuff. but And you probably smoke more in the summer, don't you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah, I, can, I can go sit outside. Right. It's a lot easier. hang out, you know. Unless it's raining, of course. We did have, have some a, rain here well, uh, in Houston this week. And I have a patio cover, but um, but sometimes it just rains sideways here in Texas. And yes, there's it does. no escaping that unless <laughs> yes, you're does. actually inside. I want you to know the day we had the biggest rain... I found one spot in my entire building <laughs> that was shielded you from can... the rain. It was really close to where we did the live show number 100 oh, out yeah, on that yeah, balcony. Yeah. There's a corner that if I pulled the chair far enough back, the wind didn't whip the rain around on me. Right. And I sat and had a cigar. It was awesome. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway, what would you, you smoke that was interesting? So uh, I had a Monte Cristo Espada Oscuro. Oh, my. So this a dark by, cigar. Yes, this was made by uh, Placencia, actually. Mm. Um, this was a uh, Nicaraguan Puro, uh, the Robusto 5x54, about an $11 cigar. Okay. So I went into uh, Casa de Monte Cristo this morning, like I usually do on, on Thursday mornings. So if you're ever out there, you know, come hang out and have a cigar Stop with by, me. hang with Ian, yeah. Um, uh, and Ken happened to be there. I saw I Ken last week. Hadn't seen him in yeah. ages, so it was I saw nice him. He recommended hi. a couple right. of cigars. Right. It was this nice. is one he said they just got him in yesterday. Oh, cool. And apparently Casa de Monte Cristo gets them before they're released to the public. So Makes sense. Uh, yes. So anyway, I tried it uh, on his recommendation. Uh, this is uh, about a medium brown in appearance, smooth, leathery kind of uh, wrapper on it, firm. Very attractive, massive label on this thing. Like the label mm, covers yeah, the entire the cigar, cigar, just about, yeah. right? <laughs> it's like a sheath. I had, to, I had to take off the lower part of the label. And it's not on the foot, but I had to take off the lower part of the label just to, uh, just to um, light the cigar. Uh, the, the pre-light sniff was uh, earthy with some coffee. There wasn't a lot going on on the pre-light sniff. It just it just smelled cigar-like, and it was nice. Sometimes that's all yeah, you need. and that's okay. You know? yeah. um, the pre-light draw, I used, uh, um, I used a punch on it. It was effortless draw. Um, I got some earth. I got some leather. I got coffee. Uh, a little bit of tea leaves. Uh, my notes uh, apparently put that down wrong, and it says tea leads. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and some kind of walnut nuttiness in there as well. Um, uh, a little bit kind of like the walnut shell where you have a little astringent kind of uh, walnutiness mm-hmm. going on. The uh, initial light was very bold. Bold coffee with chocolate. Wow. It was not bold, peppery, and harsh like a lot of initial lights are. Mm-hmm. It had pepper, but it was bold coffee with chocolate on the initial light. Uh, very, very pleasant initial Doesn't say light. sounds good yeah, so far. Yeah, yeah it was good. Uh, the first third of this was cedar, lots and lots of cedar coffee, white pepper kind of in the back of the palate, you know, towards the outside edges of the tongue where it kind of sat. Um, uh, had a sweet nuttiness to the, to the taste uh, towards the back of the palate as well. 
the uh, the burn was a little uh, a, a little uneven at first, but it just kept correcting itself. So I never tended it. It was just fine. It has about a medium ash on it. I was pretty careful about the ashes. You know, I tend to drop ash all over yeah, myself. Your, sh- your shirt looks pretty good today. So <laughs> yeah, and I'm wearing a shirt that I don't. You know, it'll show the ash. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> the uh, second third of this cigar, lots of cedar still. Sweet coffee moved uh, way towards the front. Leather, pepper, earthy. Nutty, still had all that perfect burn through the middle of this with the medium ash. Um, and the ash held on pretty nicely. The last third of this was cedar, more pepper, sweet coffee. It was building up that pepper a little bit, but that sweet coffee, leather, nutty, earthy, all that stuff was still there. They just kind of, they were kind of orbiting around that cedary flavor. And, and sometimes you taste one and sometimes you taste the other. And it was pretty interesting. Uh, I had this with a coffee, by the way, which mm. went fantastic with this. Um, so, as you know, if I'm enjoying a cigar, I will smoke it down pretty much till it's burning my fingers. The very, very end of this cigar got harsh. Um, okay. That's no count against it because I put I probably should have put it down before right. it got harsh. I hear you. Uh, so I'm not actually counting that against it. But I will tell you, if you're down at the very tail end of this cigar <laughs> and you're enjoying it, just set it down and go, you know, that's enough of that. Yes, yeah, I got my money's worth out of it. Because yeah. when you get real close to your fingers, it's, it turns pretty harsh. Uh, price to quality is $11-ish uh, cigar, solid six. I enjoyed solid it six. tremendously. Wow. Uh, and um, Caleb, our price to quality uh, index works this way. We have a, a one to ten scale. And if you get a five, you get exactly what you're paying for. So it's it's price so to five's, quality. So five is a great yeah, rating. That's a, yeah. If that's a great score. If you score above that, that means you know I'd have been okay with spending a little more on this cigar and still felt like I got my money's worth. Right. Uh, if you get low lower than that, you feel like maybe it was you know if you, if you score a four, it could have been a good cigar, but you know maybe at a couple dollars less would have made you happier. You know, yeah. that's kind of how that works. Um, but that's, yeah, I gave it a solid six. I would highly recommend this cigar. Now, this is a very bold cigar. This is a big, full-flavor cigar. So don't go out if you're if you're into mild to medium and that's your thing. Mm-hmm. This cigar is going to be a little bit big flavor-wise yeah. and, and power-wise for you. But this was a great, bold cigar. Absolutely enjoyed it. I really applaud what a lot of the uh, brands, the Monte Cristo and... Um, uh, uh, Romeo and Julieta and the uh, Hoya de Monterey, uh, what these brands are doing by um, working with other blenders and other cigar makers mm-hmm. to do something new and different that's yeah. interesting for their life. I mean, I'm going through and just systematically trying all of the AJ Fernandez creations from all of those companies. <laughs> right, right. And, and I'm, most of them I'm just finding terrific. Well, so. I mean, here's a thought to consider Monte Cristo as a company for cigars is so big that they don't have to do anything new. Right, they could just they sell could the just cigars they make and what call they it a do, day, and they're but, good cigars. But yeah. it's nice that they will go out and do that, and they'll go, okay, well, I see what's happening in this in this uh, community. Let's push the envelope. And by bit. collaborating, mm-hmm. instead of doing the Anheuser Busch thing of just buying them up and diluting them, it really, I think, creates something unique and something that wouldn't have been a part of their line. The uh, uh, the uh, H Upman by AJ Fernandez, which is kind of a go to for me these days. That cigar would never have come out from H. Upman on its own. They just—it's just not the style of cigar they have a tendency to blend. And so it's—it's 
It's something new and different. And because they're a bigger company, they offer it at a, quite frankly, a, a slightly more reasonable yeah, price than some of the smaller the boutiques. You let me have one of those, and it was quite good. Wonderful. Uh, wonderful. That's a go-to for me. What did you smoke this week? I smoked something. I, I hadn't smoked one of these in a long time. I smoked a Hoya de Nicaragua. This was the uh, Antaño, the Gran Reserva Robusto oh, Grande. Yeah. And this, I guess, is a fairly new iteration in the Hoya line, which, by the way, Drew Estate bought Hoya. So they do the Hoya uh, cigars now, and they are um, uh, I, I don't know how much they're messing with the blends on the existing line, but they're definitely putting out some new things and doing some repackaging. So this one was a uh, Nicaraguan Puro. It was a, a Nicaraguan Corojo wrapper, Nicaraguan uh, binder and fillers, but it included double the head of filters that have been aged for uh, fillers. I'm sorry, uh, fillers that have been aged for five years. So there's some aging to the mm-hmm. tobacco in this cigar that's maybe a little more than what you get in the standard uh Hoya de Nicaragua. I can't speak today. Uh, it was a very pretty cigar. Nice oily wrapper. Uh, pre-light was very earthy with a promise of pepper in that mm-hmm. Nicaraguan cigar way, you know. I uh, used a V-cutter. It lit nicely. Uh, gave me that expected Nicaraguan uh, initial burst of pepper yep, that yep. you almost always get. Uh, like I said, I hadn't smoked one of these in a while from Hoya de Nicaragua, but I remember them as being really powerful, kind of full-bodied cigars, most yeah. of the ones uh, in their line. And this one was definitely from the first puff. It was a it was a bit of a powerhouse. Uh, the pepper that started this cigar uh, kind of stayed with me for the whole smoke. Uh, there were also some nice notes of oaky wood. I'm not good at picking out the different kind of wood, but it was either oak or hickory. Uh, I, I can tell you if I'm standing over the barbecue pit and I put the chips in, I can say which one it is. <laughs> right. But in the cigar, I sometimes, okay, it's, what is that? Is that mesquite? Is it maple? Is it walnut? What is it? You know, so <laughs> anyway, uh, but it was but it was very good. Um, uh, the burn was decent. It wasn't exactly straight, but there were no major problems, and uh, you know I needed a little bit of tending, not much. Um, I was in the mood for a full-bodied cigar, so I really, really kind of enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. It sort of fit the uh, the spot where I was. It would not, as you said about yours, be a very good beginner cigar for no, when you're not uh, Fisher Price, uh, my first wanting cigar. something uh, a little bit milder. <laughs> uh, I had it with a Diet Dr Pepper, but I suspect it probably would have just about obliterated any of the whiskeys that are in my bar if I'd, <laughs> if I'd had it because it, it was big, it was, big yeah. it was it was very big it was it almost reminded me of like a, a diesel or something right. uh, uh, something like that it, it had that kind of fullness to it um so i'm betting this may be one of the more full-bodied cigars that drew estates uh, puts out probably in, it, yeah it, in their line i'm even. guessing so um it uh, i would like to have had a little more complexity from it but the flavors were there, and the punch of the cigar was kind of its main characteristic, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't disappointed. Uh, I will note this cigar has been extremely highly rated. I saw one, right. did a little research, saw one place where it got a 93, I think, cigar aficionado, and it was named the number 16 best cigar of the year for 2018, so mm. very highly rated. The review that I read about it uh, noted some sweetness on the finish. I didn't really get a lot of sweetness, <laughs> to be honest with you. It was good, but uh, but I didn't notice that sweetness. Well, and you did say though you should have had it with a diet dr pepper so yes. maybe that sweetness mask yes that's entirely a little bit possible. of it that's entirely and i may you know like on my cigar where i was talking about the coffee notes i was 
have, you have it, it with, with coffee. coffee. So that sometimes was that brings kind of it accentuating. Yeah. So. Well, at eight, at eight to nine dollars a cigar, if you want something powerful, I'd say it's a good one. I give it a, a five and a half. Uh, so it's you know it, it's hard for me when I get to the eight nine dollar cigar because there are so many right in that yeah uh, that are so range good. that I love so much and I go well it's, did I like it better than that you know but I wouldn't have been disappointed if it'd been maybe a nine to ten dollars so I, uh, you know I try on that price first quality when you get into that nine to see I think of I think of the the kind of the eight to twelve dollar range yep all in the same pocket so to speak and More I less, try yes. to take it individual like how would I feel about paying for this cigar at this price right because when I compare it to other stuff sometimes it's just too different for me to, to do I like it better than that I'm a very moody person ask me what my favorite of anything is depends entirely on my mood what's your favorite Metallica song it, it Depends entirely on my mood, <laughs> but it's always dark and angry, and it's not past the fourth album. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet it's not from Saint Anger. No. Wait, we don't talk about Saint. Anger. Okay, good. That's that's what I thought. <laughs> All right, so I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. There's several things we want to talk about, and we definitely want to talk beer and do some tasting uh, with Caleb. And uh, Caleb, if you don't mind joining us for a little tequila tasting a little bit later on the show, that'd be awesome too. Sounds good. All right, sounds good. It is uh, smoking and toasting. It is a uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited about the show today. It's going to be a good one. Uh, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. We are thrilled to have you on board for our show. It's number one forty-two, and we are brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, uh, in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. By BB Lemon with uh, a location on Washington Ave, right across the street from uh, B&B Butchers and a new one coming soon which we'll be telling you about as well and of course by BB Italia which we have to go and try and that's that's like next next yeah. uh, next dinner out I think we have to go um, so something really interesting is uh, is going on with uh, Facebook and Instagram um, they uh, the company Facebook and Instagram has said that um, Photos that are posted by people uh, that include cigar use or or uh, tobacco use do not violate their policy. So if you or I post something of us smoking a cigar or, or you know like something that that's not in violation of policy. But they do have policy against advertising uh, for any tobacco products. What the reason I bring this up is because the article that I was reading about this they are under intense pressure to virtually eliminate any tobacco references of any kind from both um, from both platforms. If that pressure were to be bowed to, if Facebook and, and Instagram said, okay, fine, you win, no tobacco, we wouldn't be able to do this show on Facebook. Right. Because we talk about smoking mm-hmm. cigars. It's, I just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's happening in this country right now because it's freaking me out. Why is cigar smoking such the enemy of all the people? It's amazing how much they want to choke that down. If I understand. I understand to a degree. We don't want to to, to uh, glorify this to to young people, things like that. But as we know, cigar smoking is not a thing that basically anyone under eighteen ever does. 
Right, you know? uh, not not premium, not premium, not cigars. premium yeah. cigars, not yeah. by any means. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah, and it, study after study have shown this. Even though they didn't need the studies to show it, it right? It, they've been done, and it shows it. I, I just don't get it. I mean, it's, uh, it just seems like there are so many more pressing problems. Yeah. The in other society. the other side of this is. Just by showing a picture of someone smoking a cigar makes you have to go out and smoke a cigar. Get a backbone, people. Yeah, I was just because you see yeah. somebody smoke a cigar makes you like susceptible to smoking cigars or cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. Grow a backbone. Be an adult. Be and a if, person. And if you're a parent, like have your own conversation oh, with your also, kids. Also, be a parent. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That's spelled right. A space P A R E N T, not A P P E A R E N. You so this is the third show in a row I've got you going. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I just, you know what? We don't need nanny state. Try being parents. Right. Try talking Absolutely. to your kids. Try the television and the computer you know are not your kids' babies. Society doesn't need to raise your, uh, raise raise your, your kids. kids. That's you know, right. That's it. 100%. Rear right. your kids. Whatever so, you want to call it. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Well, uh, we'll keep you posted as that uh, develops. Hopefully... Hopefully those guys will hold fast and will you know. I mean, I think I can understand. Uh, it would not bother me if cigars and 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 even cigarettes wanted to advertise on Facebook. But I suppose there is the age thing. I guess I get that. So, uh, but but it doesn't. But what we should do is we should completely shelter all kids so that they don't even know that exists. Well, we want. That's to what do, we need to do so they're not completely prepared for actual reality. So I'll tell you this: when we were doing the um, the whiskey sniff uh-huh. last year. Um, we wanted to do a Facebook, uh, what do they call like a like a meet page, like when you have an uh-huh. event page, right, right, uh, and uh, and then we wanted to advertise that to people who were in our area who might be interested, and you can do different targeting mm-hmm. things and say, hey, this event's going on. If you want to buy tickets and come uh, enjoy the whiskeys with us, and we were turned down because it was advertising alcoholic beverages. Is, is what they said. So we couldn't advertise that. It was the tobacco. It, oh, it, it was, was the tobacco. It, it didn't, okay. it it didn't yeah, actually Alcohol is okay. Right. Alcohol is okay. But you can't advertise tobacco. Right. And and again, it was a cigar event. So these are event. both things that are perfectly legal. It was a cigar event, not cigarettes. And it wasn't in any way targeted to people. Uh, in fact, we, you couldn't have gotten in if you weren't of legal age. That's right. So, so this is targeted towards adults, and both of these things are completely legal. Right. But you're allowed to advertise uh, an alcohol event, but mm-hmm. not a cigar event. And uh, now, how many times have you ever seen somebody in your life smoke a bunch of cigars and go wreck their car? Yeah. This is incredible. Maybe if you had those ten cigars to smoke right now, and you smoke all ten of them. Listen, buddy, you're on cigar number four. You're going to have to slow down, or we're calling an Uber. <laughs> And then the Uber guy won't let you in because you have cigars. Because smell like cigars, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm just boggled by this. Like, I know. Like, where does this even come from? Who thinks up these things? And why are the people who are making no distinction between premium cigars and cigarettes, why are those people who have no knowledge of either one? Yeah. Right? That makes no sense to me. But I suppose that's the way most regulation is. You Isn't know? it, though? That's called bureaucracy, my friend. <laughs> I believe it is. Well, Caleb, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Caleb, uh, tell me, first of all, what your position is at Backfish. I'm the brewer so, at Backfish. So you're the guy that uh, that figures out the recipes, makes sure they uh, they work appropriately, and make sure that everything's consistent the way yep. that it's supposed and to I, do. Yep. 
I turn and, the grain into beer. And, and clean a lot of equipment. And yeah. Yes, I'm a professional janitor. <laughs> and you told me uh, in the segment, actually, that you're uh, fairly new at Dogfish. I am. So, yeah, uh, I've been there a little over a month now. So how do, you, how do you get like what must be seriously one of the coolest jobs in the world? Um, well, I do have uh, prior experience. Right. And uh, Backfish happens to use the uh, same equipment that I uh, I used in my uh, last place okay. I worked. Okay. So I could just slide, slid right you in. You were able and, to come right in. And yeah. Is it... Um, is it a big deal? I know, like if you're a uh, if you're a, a professional athlete and you move from one team to another, you have to learn a new playbook, like because the plays they run at one will be different from the other. Is it like that in brewing? Uh, learning the new recipes is it is it a learning curve of any kind? There is, is a learning curve. I mean, um, first you know, little while it's almost like cooking in someone else's kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, we're gonna make Where it. Where the mine. hell are the spatulas? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, everything's coming together. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, are some of the recipes harder to learn or harder to you know to kind of grasp and perfect than others? Um, I there's some styles. Yeah, the um, the ones that uh, the original ones from you know the Backfish lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm learning those. Um, haven't had really any problems with uh, getting used to uh, the brewing of those, mm-hmm. and I'm bringing some of my my you know techniques to try to you know maybe change little things and uh, improve on some things too. So will that uh, apply to some of the beers that are already in the lineup potentially, or would these be new new creations? Um, well, I'm not really touching any of our original stuff. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the processes, not the not the flavor. Yeah, like. Different ways of doing things, you right? Know, I understand. Work. Maybe more efficient, or mm-hmm. uh, or a way that or just works better. Yeah, for it just you. works better. Yeah, absolutely. But then also, um, I'll be bringing like there's a couple styles uh, Backfish has never had, like in our tap room, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're gonna. He's uh, the owner's giving me some room to play in there. When you bring a new style on, is it normal to basically introduce it as a tap room only first and kind of see how that? Goes yeah. over, see how people respond to it before you roll it out in a bigger way. We, yeah, we kind of, you know, put it out, dip our toe in, see what the uh, our core crowd is. Our tap room. I mean, we're a neighborhood type brew pub, mm-hmm. and um, so we want to make sure our core is happy with it, our 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 people, and um, then yeah, if it's a hit, then definitely put it out to the masses. Is the uh, tap room considered? Well, uh, it's, let me make sure I'm asking this question right. Um, obviously, the tap room and the brew pub part of it is how everything started. Mm-hmm. Does there come a time when the external business is bigger and more important, and that maybe is secondary, or is it all? Are you always more focused on making sure the tap room is you know running well, making money, doing you know creating some profit for the company? There's definitely some balance with our production brewing, right, and then our tap room stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there hasn't really I I haven't seen anything as of yet to to really one's overbearing on the other right and we we try to keep new and fresh stuff in the tap room mm-hmm. to try we uh, every Thursday we have a new beer on tap in the tap room I and love that about local tap rooms that is just the coolest thing isn't it here, because try this here you try were there this. you were there last week you come uh-huh. back in there's something new to yep. try or this is the same beer you've been trying but we put it in this barrel for a while right. you know just. Exactly. Wonderful thing, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's what we're experimenting with. Um, we've taken all y'all the uh, our Belgian pale, and um, this Thursday, well, today, we're actually uh, releasing it with uh, cranberry. 
Nice. Cranberry. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That'll be I bet that'd be very refreshing. Yeah. And these are things you can take out in a crowler if you really enjoy it, right? The smaller batches we don't because oh, we try gotcha. to okay. stretch them out a little bit. We want more people to try them. But your core but line we, is always available. We do have our core stuff uh, that is available in uh, crowlers. How and much crowlers? How much canning are you guys doing right now? Um as far as uh, we 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 can uh, a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in H E B's and Total Wines. So. Uh, yeah, I've seen it around. It's, it's back. And, and we've tried. We've had a uh, uh, trying to remember which one we've had on the show. You mentioned with, it earlier. Was with the all y'all or the cheap sunglasses? Cheap sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cheap yes. sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and you you mentioned earlier. We were chatting earlier. You said that's like one of the best sellers. You yeah, that's, I, th- I think it's a. Uh, I think it's our bestseller. I'm not. Don't no quote me on that. <laughs> I said one of. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's my favorite. That, that gives you some slush room. You know, you're you're <laughs> you're there for a month. You're supposed to know everything. <laughs> so, um, so the we're going to start uh, our tasting with the uh, the wit. Uh, I tell you, wit is what it's called. In fact, Ian, maybe you want to put it on the uh, uh, the what do we call that thing again? Mr. Twirly gig. Mr. Twirly ah. gig. That's right. Uh, it's our special. Uh, way that we show off beers to the camera so i don't know if that's is that working are we are we getting the right oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's good we're a, we're a fan of puns yes yeah. we're just gonna let it go yeah. right. yes i noticed that I, about i've you. noticed that well you know um backfish is one of the um brands that i was thinking of when we talked a few weeks ago about how creative uh the packaging and naming and stuff has gotten in in craft beer it really is a thing and i suppose that it needs to be in order to kind of stand out on the store shelf because there's so many brands. There is. Oh, that was good. That was really good. Uh, pass that baby over and I'll pour some of this. Um, this one has the little uh, orange slice on the on mm-hmm. the can. Is there actually orange in the beer? Uh, yes, that beer is brewed with coriander and um, sweet orange peel as oh, opposed nice. to bitter orange peel a lot of people mm-hmm. use in uh, Wits. Right. Uh, and... And is this was this one of the earlier beers? Yes, it, it was right one of the one of the earliest ones in the in the lineup. It's so interesting to me when a and obviously if if you're launching as a brew pub, you're going to have a, a handful of styles when you first open. But it's so interesting to me what um, what a particular craft brewery will kind of you know launch as what they see as possibly being their flagship in their early uh, in their early days. <laughs> you know, often it's an IPA. Uh, yeah. But but in a so lot popular. of cases, yeah. But in a lot of cases, it's uh, it's been something different. I mean, if, if you think St. Arnold, for example, it was the amber that was the one that made the right. that kind of put them on the map. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's anywhere near their bestseller today. But it's uh, but it was their it was kind of their flagship beer. So um, with you guys opening though as a brew pub, you probably probably had four or five. I realize before you were there, but probably had four mm-hmm. or five different iterations and, and styles available in the earliest days of it, the brew yeah and it's it's changed um there was a i know there was an ipa in the beginning that we no longer produce now it got replaced by cheap sunglasses and i think that might be the only one um they did a pretty good job mm-hmm. of uh yeah. uh you can definitely uh get the orange flavoring in the this. orange it's, is all yeah, over the place it's, yeah it's not like a sweet orange but it's also not that you were talking about that more bitter orange mm-hmm. uh it's not that it's somewhere in the middle uh, in terms of I sweetness, like, I like how this beer finishes. It's got a creaminess to mm-hmm. it that that when it finishes, you almost expect from the initial flavor 
uh, for it to have a little bit bitterness on the finish, but it really finishes a little more creamy than anything else. Well, yeah. Also, yeah, it smells outstanding. Yes, it does. Like, it, it smells so good, I want to dab some on my neck. <laughs> this is one I'll have in my nostril in a minute. I <laughs> this, do that. Is, uh, this has got a lot of wheat in the base, mm-hmm. so that's what provides the body. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's not really hoppy. Um, it doesn't have that dank, uh, weedy beer kind of flavor that you get with a lot of wits, though. Either. Yeah. It doesn't have that... That kind of um, overripeness that you yes. taste a lot of. Time. I was I was going to mention that the uh, the creaminess and the orange kind of come through stronger than that sort of Belgian dankness that you're talking about, uh, uh, Ian. That yeah. a lot of the Belgian styles have. I agree. It makes it it makes it a very good, I think, summer beer. Like a very good around the pool. Um, you know, just uh, at the barbecue. Um, exactly. It's a fairly low ABV, right? I was looking yeah, this is right around five. Right around five. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you can you know, reasonably just... sessionable. This is the summer of the five, by the way, because <laughs> uh, breweries that don't have a lot of five-ish ABVs uh, in their lineup are putting them out this summer. I mean, there's so much going on with these. Uh, lower ABV beers right now, but this this is delicious. I'm gonna need to do a little more research. I think I you, yeah, I would hate for you to come away I like, with a, uh, I also with a like, less than complete picture of what the beer is all about. It's interesting too because it looks more carbonated than it tastes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it fizzes up like like it should, but when you taste it, it's not a really carbonated, heavily carbonated beer. It's Agreed. there. It's got Agreed. enough to make it dance a little bit, but it's definitely. Doesn't have a ton of that carbonic acid. Yeah, and it's not it's yeah. not like it doesn't stick with you and it doesn't burn your throat or anything like that. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Now it's really easy drinking. It's perfect for the summer. Agreed. It it really is. Is uh, um, in in your last uh, position, did you have as many uh, different iterations, as many different styles as what Backfish had? With uh, is this did- uh, the last place I was at was a little bit more experimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a lot of sours and things like that. Is there anything in the Backfish lineup that was a new style for you when you got there? Uh, actually, the uh, Belgian Wit. I've never really done uh, Wits before. Wow. So. Mm. I've played around with the Belgian yeasts, but never uh, this exact style. When um, when a brewmaster goes out with buddies, mm-hmm. what do you drink? When you're not drinking like your own, like what styles will you would you? Lean towards it, and, and are you doing research, or are you just having beers? Ah, uh, man, I'm always doing research. <laughs> I, I, it's something yeah, I'm always looking for the you know, some, I get an idea somewhere. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, during the summertime, like the hot part of the year, like mm-hmm. we are now, pails, um, some sours, like uh, some gozas, mm-hmm. Berliner Weisses, IPAs. Yeah. Later on in the night, maybe double, double IPAs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it's a uh, it's it's always kind of an adventure. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I try if I'm going to have a double or imperial, I always try to have some of the lighter ones first because some of those have babies can later. can do a little palate wrecking for you if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and keep you from completely enjoying some of the uh, some of the lighter ABV beers. Uh, Ian, anything uh, from your further research that you uh, want to comment? I'm for it. This is good. This is going to be. Uh, this is going to actually become one of my kind of go to alternate summer flavor beers because yes. I love. You know, I'm not a. If I'm if I'm going out, especially if I'm going to have a day. Where I'm going out, like on the river or something like right. that. And you know I, you're going to have a number of one flavor because that right. drives me nuts after a while. And it doesn't matter how much I like the beer. Right. Um, but this is one of those that you toss in there, especially you're like, ah, 
That's so awesome. That'll be perfect like, for now. That's no, great. You're 100% right. And, Caleb, I will, I will point this out, uh, as we like to do when we have guests, um, that it is an established fact. It's not a, 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 a claim. It's a fact that smoking and toasting influences sales. Because Ian himself will be buying... Yes, I some, will actually some stop of this, and buy uh, some of this. Some of this uh, uh, Therefore, you know, I have directly affected sales. He has sales. directly affected sales. So it, and it you may think happen. to yourself, but it's only one six-pack. But it would be one less if I wasn't here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and knowing Ian the way I do, it's not going to be one six-pack. Six <laughs> 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 All right, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a quick break, come back for uh, uh, the third segment. There's uh, still more to do, in t- including I want to get to this list from Maxim Magazine of uh, 10 great cigars to smoke right now. And we have more to taste from Backfish, including uh, the All Y'all, Texas Golden Ale. And we'll talk about the whole name of this one, which I think is awesome. I love that. Yes, uh, absolutely awesome. So we will be right back at Smoking and Toasting, and uh, it's show number 142. Coming up with topics to get me riled up. Uh, I know this is working, isn't it? <laughs> so, like for 135 episodes, I was the one that got riled up. But lately, it's you. <laughs> what is that? Oh, it was your phone falling down? Okay. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is smoking and toasting. My headphones are a little louder today than usual, oh, so that was like so you're whoa. picking it up. Yeah. Uh, welcome back. It's show number one hundred and forty-two, smoking and toasting, and we are thrilled to have you uh, enjoying the program with us. And if you're not enjoying the program, we'll get with it. I just want to point out when Cruz says his, I've put on uh, Cruz's headphones when after he's used them, and uh, when he says his headphones are a little loud, that's somewhere near standing in the middle of I don't know an arena. With Metallica yeah, playing. By the way, says the guitar player in the room. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't have to have them cranked all the way up because you've had, you know, like monitors and and earbuds in your ear and stuff. You know, for, for the uh, last for ten years, I've been using in ears, man. Yeah. So like, I'm up on stage wailing, and I'm about as loud as we're talking in my ears. Really? Yeah, and it's great. Yeah. I get off stage and I pull my in ears out, and I get in my car and I want to listen to music instead of like instead mm-hmm. of yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I understand, understand where you're coming from. Maxim Magazine, which, okay, so Maxim started out as, like, almost like Playboy, except the girls wore clothes. Like, you mm-hmm. know, they would be in lingerie or whatever, but they, they it, but it was a very sort of like, mm, sort of like sexy young it's men's magazine. a lifestyle magazine. kind yeah, of right. thing, yeah. Uh, and then, for reasons completely unknown, they launched other magazines that, had that sort of style, and they made Maxim more serious, like more like a GQ or right. something like that. So uh, sometimes when I, you know, when I think about uh, Maxim magazine, I, I immediately I think of the old Maxim magazine, and the reality is that. Uh, the new Maxim magazine is giving me a lot of ads, and uh, okay, there we go. Uh, I, I wanted to. So sh- you're familiar with Maxim? So I'm familiar. Magazine. Yes, I am. Yeah, absolutely. With both iterations, it's all ads. Yeah, yeah. So with both iterations, and it is a lot of ads. But uh, in their uh, continued quest to be a more serious men's magazine, uh, they've released a list of ten great cigars to smoke right now. So let me right go over now. the ten with you. Um, I don't believe these are in order of preference, but the first one is the Gurkha Cellar Reserve, which they rated 99. Now, we've been hugely critical of Gurkhas on this show, but I'd like to point out that the Gurkha Cellar Reserve... Slips right through those cracks. It is a fantastic cigar, and we've reviewed it here. Both of us have, Mm -hmm. and both of us loved it. Uh, And it was... um, 
It was one we got when we were out of presidential cigars. Remember? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, representative, one of the representatives yep. gave it to us. Yep. Uh, the second one, we're at rated 96, is the A.J. Fernandez Bella Artez Maduro. And I have had this, mm, and it's wonderful. Those are good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right now. Re- right now. Uh, the next one, rated 95, is the Monte Cristo number three. And what's interesting is this is one of the baseline yeah. Monte Cristos. This is not one of their you know, more expensive, uh, larger blends. So that's, uh, they are flawlessly crafted by hand, they say, with top-quality Dominican-grown uh, Cuban seed, long filler, and Connecticut shade wrappers for a taste that's refined, complex, and loaded with delightfully well-balanced, medium-bodied flavor. Wow, a writer uh, was being paid by the word for that. You can, you can just tell. Uh, you can just tell. Uh, actually, no. They. I'm sorry. I, syllable. I read one line further, and they credit that uh, to that description to jr cigar so oh, now i understand uh now i understand at number four uh, rated also at 95 the gurkha ghost gold now i've not had the ghost have you uh i don't think so yeah gurkha by the way introducing three new cigars for ipcbr i'm, I'm gun shy on gurkhas right now i am too every time i smoke one they fall apart like, i'm just gun shy on them but here's two on this list of uh of right 10. right Ten great cigars. I mean, they're still selling right them. I see them in the uh, in the shops and everything. Yeah, like they're still selling them, so somebody's buying them. The Oliva Series Five or Series V Melania Maduro, rated ninety-five. Yes, that is a wonderful cigar. Right now, uh, the J.C. Newman Diamond Crown, uh, rated ninety-four. This is a uh, a Connecticut wrapper cigar, and I will say I haven't I haven't had one of these in a long time. They have a tendency to be a little pricey, but the last one I had was fantastic. It was a number of years ago, but it was it was fantastic. So it's good to see. They've kept the quality mm-hmm. up uh, well enough to continue to make this list. Uh, at number seven, the Casa Fernandez Anniversario Series 2014. Now, this is not AJ Fernandez. This That's is Casa Fernandez. Casa Fernandez. Uh, it's got the Miami stamp mm-hmm. on the uh, on the band. At number eight, the Davidoff Yamasa, rated at 93. That's a very expensive cigar, by the way. Yeah, um, I don't think I've tried yeah, that. Uh, it's it's one of those Davidoffs where that's that's above my pay grade. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Particulare is uh, rated ninety three. Um, it is a Nicaraguan Puro with the Nicaraguan Corojo wrapper, and at number ten, the Ashton VSG. Oh, which that's a I haven't great had a VSG cigar. in a while, but I've always enjoyed those. That's so a those, great cigar. <coughs> so those are their ten great cigars to smoke right now, and um, and two of them were Gurkhas. Isn't that yeah, interesting? I'm, I'm curious. I'm still Gurkha curious. I kind of want to like Gurkhas, but they just well that that chairman's that little chairman's that little short that is a wonderful yeah, cigar. That's yeah. so good. I bought a box of them. Remember? Yeah, we split yeah. a box, as I recall. Well, we got the we got one of those when we were out at uh, the presidential cigars. Presidential cigars, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the local representatives was there, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Cagle, I believe. Yep. Uh, and he actually laid one on each of us. Yeah. And that was, was the first time nice I tried it. It was fantastic. I was like, yeah, this is the first nice. time I've ever been given a cigar by a, a you have my vote, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am uh, opening up the next uh, beer. It's- you know, I'm going to pass that over to it's you called, and ask you to pour it. It's called All Y'all. So I was looking for, on the internet, uh, something that I had found once and, and I was having trouble, to be honest, finding again. Uh, but it was a really great um, definition uh, of the different usages of the phrase y'all. And y'all is not actually a, a phrase that I use. I say you guys. Uh, you spent uh, a lot of time up north, or in California, or whatever. <laughs> but uh, but here in Houston, Texas, I can tell you, my wife says it all the time. She says y'all all the time. Mm-hmm. She 
like when somebody does something you know she's a little dismayed with she's like y'all you know that's her that's her way of <laughs> responding to it right uh, and so I, of course I grew up uh, in in the Texas area with people that use this all the time and um, there was a great little list of the proper way, ways to use y'all I haven't found that but I will share this other one I found with you uh, English speakers it says aren't just limited to y'all to convey their meaning y'all meaning basically you guys are a group of people all y'all or all of y'all on the other hand is an occasional variation some use to mean a group of people when speaking to two or three people are you'd say are y'all going to the movies correct right uh when speaking to several people a group larger than two or three you'd say are all y'all going to the movies mm -hmm. so that's that's where all y'all comes from is that that particular usage, yeah. Uh, it's further complicated, by the way, when you use the possessive form of the word, like, is this y'all's car? Or or, is this all y'all's favorite color? <laughs> you know, something like that. So that's, anyway, that's just a, a, little, uh, a little bit of the breakdown of the proper usage, if there is such a thing. Yes, of the don't word, use y'all incorrectly. Word, <laughs> it's not generally considered appropriate for formal writing, but, uh, you know, at this point, it's it's probably you could bring levity to your rating with the word y'all. I I think so, and I I suspect there was uh, an attempt to have some levity when this uh, when this beer was named. Correct? Oh yeah, yeah. all y'all. Yeah, all y'all. See, it's a it's a Texas thing. Yep. or or a southern thing, at least. Tell us about this beer. Uh, this is a Belgian pale. We call it a Texas golden ale. Uh, it's easy drinking. It's about six and a half percent. It's a, if you want a beer, this is the this is like this stays in my fridge. If I don't want something hoppy, I just want something you know that's not going to be too offensive, mm -hmm. overpower stuff. This is my beer. Yeah, it's it, it is sort of that. It's got that go-to vibe to it, doesn't it? It's I like the malty roundness right mm -hmm. up front on this, and again the the carbonation levels. I love the carbonation levels on both of these beers because they're just not so fizzy that like you're not immediately going to be belching right after a few <laughs> sips of this. So compare it in to to the wit. How do these two strike you in, in contrast to each other? Well, you know, stylistically, obviously, they're different. This one has a little bit uh, rounder mouthfeel overall. It's definitely maltier. Especially right up front. I like that malt profile right up front. Um, it has a sweetness to it that kind of mm -hmm. lingers, which is really nice, too. So I imagine this is pretty good with... Uh, especially like Tex-Mex foods and yes. uh, and anything with some spices to it. This is going to help calm those spices a bit, especially since it doesn't have a ton of uh, uh, carbonation to it. As you well. know what I really like about this is, and you mentioned with Tex-Mex food, I think it'd be it'd be absolutely perfect. But it doesn't have what a lot of the beers that are kind of targeted for that kind of uh, of drinking, that kind of usage, have got a certain little bitter aftertaste. That's not what I. Some beers I'm looking for bitter, mm -hmm. but this bitter I'm trying to describe. Those, those is, are called IPAs. By yeah, the way. right, exactly. But no, but but this this kind of bitter that, that I'm trying to describe is not, it's it's not pleasant to me. It's like I like the taste of the beer itself in in those cases, but then there'll be just that little lingering aftertaste that makes me. Oh, I guess I better take another drink. I don't want to just linger <laughs> yeah. linger with that. This beer does not have that at all. In fact, both of these beers. Uh, these first two that we've tried have just—they just finish beautifully. So they don't have a—they uh, don't have anything anything really uh, lingering that's not a pleasant, right. smooth sort so of a flavor. It's interesting that you use the word bitter a lot in those sense because bitter as a description is is a little bit tough because it can be such a negative connotation. So mm -hmm. it's bitter, and you think. Uh, and then there was what was that commercial line for a while—the whole bitter beer face thing, right? Which was 
oddly funny. I hate to admit it. But, but, um, see, but I love ESBs, extra but yeah, special but bitter, see, which are bitter, bitter on purpose. Bitter in a beer can be a very good thing. Right. This actually has a little bitter snap to the aftertaste before that sweetness hits, but it's a bitter in a way that it doesn't leave that lingering. Correct. Um, that lingering aftertaste that you don't want. You so said that so much better than I did. You know, it's an interesting thing. So the word bitter can mean a lot of yeah, can no, mean right. a lot of things. And, and right. in the case of extra special bitters, by the way, I'm putting in that you guys make an extra special bitters because there's only one local brewery, two local breweries I know that make them, mm-hmm. and they're both quite good. Um, and I love ESPs, but uh, and 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 they are a bitter style of beer, but they're not bitter in the way that a lot of people describe bitter, like as as a negative connotation by any right. means. It's and it's a way of uh, you can probably make this a lot better. So I'm going to put my uh, couple cents in, and then you mm-hmm. can talk about it. But but bitter in the positive sense is a way a brewer takes a beer and and kind of has a way of tailoring the uh, the aftertaste and cutting it off to a degree so it's not a lingering whatever you know happening in the aftertaste it's it's kind of like when you have that bitterness in the beer it just kind of stops it short at a certain part of your palate and that's what the sort of creaminess does here mm-hmm. um like with uh brewing, He's going, i don't know what you're talking about uh, Sorry, i mean <laughs> we we try to balance like this beer is uh it's pretty round mm-hmm. uh, is the way i like to explain it it's it's not got that bitter finish but um whenever we're trying to design a beer uh the recipe you try to balance that bitter with the sweet because mm-hmm. um, you know, the malt's real sweet. So either um, we try to uh, yeah, make it balanced. That way you finish, you want another drink. Mm-hmm. Well, and, for instance, if you don't bitter this beer to some degree, right, mm-hmm. then once you end up with a beer that's kind of sickly sweet. Yeah, exactly. Right, a little too much. And so in that case, the bitter is a good thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it, so that's that's about, the, it's about was, the balance. That's, yeah. so that's what I was balance. trying to say about it. Is bitter is something that's used to control how a beer tastes. Right. Well, you know? if you think there are a number of places where bitter is good, a bitter sweet chocolate, for example. Right. The the same kind of balance between the bitter and the sweet mm-hmm. notes keeps mm-hmm. it from being like uh, as especially as I've gotten older, I don't really enjoy milk chocolate that much. Right. It's too sweet for me. Yeah. But I like the bittersweet chocolates or the dark chocolates, which mm-hmm. have you know more depth of flavor and don't just go mm, you know make the, and it's I, I would guess. I mean, I don't know anything about making chocolate, but I would guess that it's a similar process in terms of finding the balance uh, mm-hmm. to, to making a beer. Are these do these kinds of beers sell um, better than people probably think that they do? And and because there's so much uh, there's so much in the in the beer geek world, there's so much uh, focus on IPAs and porters and stouts and things that are more uh, I, I don't know more specialty. And yet I'm wondering if these beers maybe maybe don't sell a lot more than people think that they do. Well, they're definitely not as hyped as like right. the IPAs yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, they sell really well. This is. Like I said, this is my go-to. I keep it in the fridge, and a lot of other people, you know, they find that mm-hmm. too. If you just want to grab a beer after work, you don't want something that you're gonna have to, you know, that's super offensive or mm-hmm. have to really sit down and, you know, this is a beer that you can pick up. You don't have to think about it. Right. You need to down it's it. just very, so very easy drinking. This very is a beer that if I have uh, a friend, and that's in air quotes, a come over. Uh, that drinks macro brews all the time, mm-hmm. right? Okay, um, that's in air quotes because of the macro brew thing. So, <laughs> I don't want to admit it. Anyway, no, I'm just joking about that. But I mean, if I have a friend that, that that's what they're used to drinking, mm-hmm. okay, um, and I don't carry any of that in my refrigerator. As a matter of fact, if you leave, 
a six pack of Miller Lite in my refrigerator. It's perfectly safe unless I'm barbecuing and I need to cool down my coals yeah. a little bit. And, it's until absolutely you, safe. Until you return, it's safe. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going anywhere, I promise. Um, uh, but this is the kind of beer where if someone goes, oh, well, I usually drink uh, some macro brew kind of thing. I would I, say, I, well, I here. drink Coors Light or whatever. This is on the lighter side flavor-wise, but with flavor. Now, this see, is something that I would introduce right. someone to because it has a nice sweetness, and it's not a real bitter beer. You know, kind of, I'm certainly not going to be like, here's a Founders uh, breakfast stout. Try that. Right. You know? yeah. Well, exactly. I, I think of like Pat, my friend and business partner. Uh-huh. Now, Pat has definitely kind of made the switch from macro brews to craft. But he he doesn't care for uh, IPAs. He doesn't want that mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, you know that kind of uh, hoppiness or bitterness. And he doesn't really like the bigger bolder. These both of these first two beers he would love yeah. because they've got flavor, but they're not venturing into the flavors that just don't really appeal to him. Right. You know? Exactly. And and I think there's I think I guess what I was getting at is I think maybe there's more of those people out there than we think they are. Yeah. But they just don't get the same sort of. Hype, you know, you, you you read about beers on the internet and stuff. The the press and stuff has a tendency to go much more to the specialty thing or the. Well, it's not a IPAs. pineapple goza that's so far <laughs> out of the range of like what you want to. Like. Hey, I, I love a good pineapple. I, mean, goza. I would try it, but yeah. 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 Well, there's like the beer that we had uh, last week was the uh, mojito goza, yeah. and it was good and very interesting. But I don't, I don't see him becoming certainly a very, not a daily drinker, right? A, a very uh, big sort of like I'm going to have these in my fridge at all times, kind of a beer. I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't find myself thinking, "Wow, I've got to, uh, I've got to add this to my regular rotation." No, so what's yeah. really cool about both of these beers is I actually know one of the guys that works at the at the brewery, so I'm yeah. going to hit him up for some. Uh, I see, I see where you're going. <laughs> I see, I see where you're going. But also, this beer is uh, interesting enough. Where you get the banana notes yeah. from the Belgian yeast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's and there's something there to uh, keep interest in the you know the big craft brewer. That banana's uh, that sweetness on the finish that I was mm-hmm. I, I couldn't yeah. quite nail it until you said it and then it clicked into place. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, a lot of times when you think of banana, you think more like a hefeweizen to get that that kind of uh, that kind of flavor. But it's definitely present in yeah. this. Definitely present. All right. All right. Well, I'm digging this. We're going to delve into some more of these beers in a moment. Plus, we have some tequila to sample. And I did promise. uh, Yeah, I did promise, by the way, that we were going to get to uh, this story about the best independent American whiskeys from Uprocks. I think you'll be really interested. I want to hear about that. You'll be real interested in this list. So so we'll talk spirits a little bit when we return, plus plus more beers from uh, Backfish. Caleb from Backfish is our special guest, and we will be right back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Very, very good. Thank you. Let me grab those other ones. Yeah, uh, we'll grab them and just uh, okay. uh, get them ready. I think we'll do the tequila in this. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is the radio program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by our good friends at uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and uh, in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, the bacon, we can't go a whole show without just going off on the bacon <laughs> because it's so unbelievably good. The bacon is like good. this thick and, and covered in blue cheese and truffle oil. And I have to tell you, the first time that we that they served it to I, I was like, 
oh yeah, I don't know how I'm going to like this because this is not how I usually want my bacon. I usually want my bacon thin and crispy, like I want my pizza crust. Right? I was mistaken. It it was the most amazing, one of the most amazing things I've ever eaten. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's and so now uh, we get it every single time we go to B and B, which is is a lot. <laughs> so um, there's a, a very interesting little uh, tasting. Ian, by the way, is holding the tequila we're going to be trying in this uh, segment. On the Twirligig, did I get it right? I always get the Mr. name. Mr. Twirligig. Mr. Twirligig, yeah, and it is. Uh, it, it's looking very pretty. It's a very tall bottle, so uh, it is. Here's the yeah, rest of it. Yeah, the bottom right. of the so that's that's good. Um, so we'll be trying that in in a moment. Uh, but a quick article uh, about whiskey. Uh, Jim Beam Black. It's one of the bar tables you see almost anywhere. Um, you know. Pretty good sipper for the price point, and uh, one that goes extremely is, well in cocktails. For those that don't know, this is the one notch up from your regular right, white it, label. It, right, it's, it's like if you want to go just a little mm-hmm. bit better. Uh, in a blind taste test, it is said, an independent, third-party alcohol beverage tasting industry known as BTI, the Beverage Tasting Institute, which, by the way, can't believe somebody thought to found that before we did. <laughs> the BTI. Yeah. The Beverage Tasting Institute. Damn it. We should have been quicker with that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, they tested people over the age of 21 with two samples, the Jim Beam Black and an iconic unnamed bourbon that can cost up to $3,000 a bottle. You might be able to guess what that is, even if there's no official confirmation as such. And if you were thinking about the Rip Van, the uh, Pappy Van Winkle... I'm just saying, it could be. It could <laughs> okay. be. I don't know that it is, but it could be. Anyway, uh, so it's it's a relatively strong percentage, 54%, that preferred the Beam Black over this other unnamed whiskey in the study. Uh, it's noted that at least 55% of the study said that the Jim Beam Black tasted uh, smoother. So... Whiskey Wash is a, if you, by the way, are just, you know, goofing around on the internet looking for interesting stuff to read and you're into whiskey, Whiskey Wash is a great site. They, they have awesome, uh, awesome stuff writing about all kinds of different whiskeys and they're very, I think, unbiased and, 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 uh, and you know, no, no fake whiskey news there. Uh, so they inquired into the methodology uh, behind the study. Because it's a pretty bold claim, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Uh, a whiskey that's going to be less than $25 a bottle, right? Uh, 54% of a sample, uh, preferring it to the more expensive. <laughs> so this is what they found out about the methodology. A BTI tested people in markets across the country that as a whole represented the average American whiskey drinking demographic. They were 21 and over and pre-identified as American whiskey drinkers. So one of the things I learned from being in the radio business, by the way, is that <coughs> if you're trying to prove a thing to be true, you can You can almost certainly do it with research if you orient the research uh-huh. a particular way. Now, that said, BTI is an independent organization, and they would have, one would assume, no horse in the race to try to prove that uh, Jim Beam Black is preferable to a $3,000 whiskey. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. So... After tasting the two samples, participants were asked to answer a series of questions about their preference related to taste and smoothness. So that's really all that we've been told about the... Before you go any further, can I 
point mm-hmm. something out. Sure. Um, if you just go by sales, mm-hmm. people prefer McDonald's over Five Guys. Well, that's a, that's a really good I point. I just want to point that out. And I, and I'll tell you another little thing about research in uh, in the um, early to mid. Well, it was it was actually in the in the late nineties. Uh, I was uh, working at a classic rock and roll station in Philadelphia, and uh, all radio stations do music research, uh, or or at least if they can afford to, they mm-hmm. do. And in a market like Philadelphia, it's pretty important, and you do it. So when you do music research, you have people come in who are uh, supposed to be screened to be a representative sample of either your audience or the audience that you want. They come in, you usually get a ballroom in a hotel somewhere, uh, and they're paid, you know, 50 bucks, 75 bucks for the evening to sit for an hour and a half or so, and they'll be played little snippets of songs, in this case, classic rock and roll songs. And they have one of those little things that looks like an SAT score sheet. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, when the snippet of the song pl- plays, they say, oh, I like that uh, a little. I like it a lot. Uh, you know, I'm tired of it. Whatever. Um, and then all those results are taken and tallied. And, you know, a list is put together so you know what the most popular classic rock and roll songs are. Mm-hmm. In the case of a station like this, you would want to play the most popular songs the more the most often. And the ones that are a little less popular, you'd want to play them maybe a little less. I've never been in a study in my entire career in radio where two songs, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. and Free Bird by Leonard Skinner, mm-hmm. did not test in the top five. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what happened in the late 90s is this new rating system came out that used a meter. Uh, and instead of people writing down what they listened to, they wore the meter on their belt like a pager uh, during the day, and it would pick up what they were listening to, and uh, it would record their listening habits. What When that came out, they released a study that referenced my station specifically, and this study said that every time we played Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin or Freebird by Leonard Skinner, half of the audience tuned out. Half. <laughs> they went somewhere 50% else. tuned out and went somewhere else. And you think, well, how can this be? The research says those are two of the five most popular songs every time we test them. And what I said to people was, in research, people have a tendency to vote for things. Yeah. If you're a rock and roll fan, Stairway to Heaven comes on, you're like, well, I, I, I how can't. How do you say no to that? I can't give that less than the top score. Yeah. It's freaking Stairway to Heaven, Right. And and so sometimes just because you would vote that something is the best doesn't necessarily mean that you want to, to listen to it, it on your way time. home t- today or all the time. Right. So I'm guessing that some of this same methodology stuff creeps into this researching right. when it comes to things like this, too. Let's also remember that unless you assume there was a conspiracy theory, everybody in all the taste tests like New Coke better than they like the, the old formula. And they rele- they changed the formula, and it was a disaster. People stopped by it. They had to reintroduce the old formula. So it's just research is not always indicative. That said, I, I was thinking, we'll just recreate this. So, Ian, for the next show, I will buy a bottle of Jim Beam Black if you will buy a bottle of the $3,000. Uh, I see uh, where this is going. Yeah, and we'll uh, have Adam pour them separately, and we'll taste them next to each other, and we'll How see what How about this, though? Okay, so I'm not going to buy the $3,000 bottle. Yeah. But that's not necessarily a bad idea. If you buy a bottle of the Jim Beam Black, I will bring some of the 
upper end whiskeys that so I have. So maybe something you've got that's you know from the upper end of your collection. Yeah, that's you not know, a bad I've, idea. I got a little bit of a little book left. I've oh, got yeah. I mean, I've got a few things in there, and we can see what we. Well, prefer. you know, what we could do. We could have several different samples, like maybe three, four different blind samples. Yeah. And one of them would be the. Now you're just blind. trying to work over my whiskey collection. <laughs> you see right <laughs> through me, my friend. You see right through me. Okay, speaking of collections, I have a nice collection of tequilas in my bar at home, and I have brought one of them with me today, and it is something we are going to uh, sample in this segment, and uh, I am very curious, Ian, to see oh. how uh, uh, how you respond. To this particular uh, tequila, it is an organic tequila. We talked about this at the top of the show. Uh, I don't really know. Go ahead. Oh, that was it was it was such a subtle. There, there we go. Yeah, uh, we talked about this. I, I'm not sure exactly what tequilas are not organic, but okay, I'll 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 ride with you on this claim. It does organic say certified does, organic. Certified, yeah. Well, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe. Most tequilas are organic, but they aren't all certified. Perhaps I could see that. That that would make some sense to me. I like it. I like it. So uh, so we'll be saying this is an añejo. Uh, it is. I want to say about. Uh, I think it's high forties, like a forty eight, forty nine dollar uh, bottle, and it's a. Uh, it's a really pretty bottle. I really did you get this on Mister Twirly Gig earlier, by the way? Yeah, we did. Right, yeah. you got it. Yeah, okay, all right. very good. So. I'll be very curious, and you're sampling tequila with us, right? Yeah, sure. Where's well, mine? Where'd your tequila? Where's mine? Did I not give you <laughs> one? I think you, I think you came up short there. I sure <laughs> I think. Uh, all right. Uh, I thought so. I handed you two. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no oh, tequila for you, Adam. There's yours. I set it up there. That's oh, that's, that's what, what happened. happened. Okay, gotcha. All right. So on the nose, kind of kind of some brightness for a tequila. Definitely agave. Ian, thoughts? Have you already tasted? I have. <laughs> One of the things I love about you in research, I'm you don't mess around. You just, you just, you just jump right in. I love that. Uh, yeah. About I, you. <laughs> oh, we have some. Or, we have a link for organic tequila here that mm. Wiki Brian put up. Of course, he uh, he's good like that. Um, so uh, you've managed to taste this already. Talk this to me. is uh, it's it's agave right up front. Yes, it is. Hmm. There's the um, vanilla. The middle of this is a little bit on the light side. It's not in a bad way, but it's mm-hmm. a little on the light side. And then, and then it, it finishishes with that big peppery, yeah, the sort uh, of peppery finish. Yeah, but you get you also one of the things I like about this tequila is the finish is very long. It yeah, finishes with long. that with that pepperiness, and then if you just wait, here comes that like vanilla and mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, uh, sort of oakiness uh, to it that it, that some tequilas will have much earlier in the finish. It has a dryness in the finish that I mm-hmm. actually kind of like too, like a like a very dry. And yet at the red same wine time, it's pretty darn smooth. So uh, I when I when I first tried this, and I will admit, yes, the bottle was open when I brought it in. Um, <laughs> uh, when I first tried this, it reminded me of the Skelly Añejo because yeah. of its smoothness. So what I did, and uh, if I'd had more Skelly, I'd, I'd have d- brought both of them today so we could do this, but I, I was running a little low. Um, but I did try it and then tried the Skelly uh, again right after it, which mm-hmm. Skelly is a go-to for me. Um, and the Skelly is, is, this is almost as smooth as the Skelly, but it is more buttery. And this one doesn't really have that buttery Right, no, I wouldn't call it buttery. It. It's, more, it's got more, a little more of the are pepper. You, uh, are stuff. you a fan of tequila? You know, I'm a very novice uh, tequila drinker. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about this 
No, I could drink this. Yeah it's, yeah, it's good. It's nice. I get the oakiness. I get the vanilla. Right. Yes, right. and, and and just for for those of us who are listening and not watching, uh, we're not pouring this into uh, margaritas. We're actually just trying it neat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no lime and salt have been uh, uh, have yes. been uh, heard no, in this. Uh, no limes or salt yeah. have been harmed. Yeah, um, I will tell you, I like this tequila a lot. It uh, it it you know it, it's not gonna beat out the. Uh, Reserva de la Familia for me as as my favorite, but boy, I I think it's really good. It's, it's at its price point, I, I like it a lot. The sweetness in this is interesting too, because you get that agave up front, and then there's a little bit of vanilla and sweetness that comes right back in there, yes. and then finishes with that big peppery mm-hmm. boom, mm-hmm. and then that heat comes back, and like you said, that yes. vanilla really comes Kinda back, comes rolling back in, that in on, oak, that, on that finish. It yep. really leaves mm-hmm. that oak dryness in your mouth. Yeah. So in case you're wondering what oak tastes like in tequila. Buy this tequila. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting because you don't think of oak as a tequila right, right. flavor, and most tequila is not matured in in wooden barrels. Uh, a lot of it's matured Correct. in uh, in metal. So, uh, so it's really interesting to see it take on, un- unless they've done that specifically to arrive at a particular kind of flavor, which some tequilas will do. Um, but unlike, uh, say, whiskey, most tequila is not aged as long. Either. Right, and in Yeho, it's three years. Yeah, right? exactly, yeah. So, and I mean, that's and not, that's the that's, that's the, the third end, the right. third tier up. Yeah, I think only extra Añejo is is considered or Añejo extra is considered more than that. And I think that's five. So, right, uh, right. so it's yeah, it's interesting whenever you whenever you get that much. It's one of the reasons that I really almost started as tequila being my go to spirit. Uh, uh, once I learned that there were really Tequila's designed for not ones, just throwing right. back, at, but uh, but and is because relatively inexpensively, and rum is, can be the same way. Uh, you can get some tequila that is considered on the scale of aged mm-hmm. tequilas to be pretty aged. Tequilas and, that aren't made for slaughtering limes and salt. I yes. don't. I don't buy a lot of blancos and reposados, and some of them are very good. And I probably should do that more, but I have a tendency to go. Straight to the añejos because they're for, relatively for affordable. anyone listening. A blanco is uh, is the what you what's known as the silver or a right. white tequila. Mm-hmm. It's clear in color, generally speaking, uh, and it's less than a it's year. The it's, least it's how many year. months? It's, uh, it's I, like eight months. I or think that's right. Yes. Less than eight months age. And a reposado is from that point blanco. Then it's aged up to I think three. Yeah, is it up to three? Yeah, it's not as long as you'd think generally, but that's the reposado, and that's that's. Uh, a little aged, and then uh, obviously the um, the añejo is three years. And then generally speaking, with tequilas, the younger the tequila is, the more the prominent flavor is going to be the agave. Yeah. And as it ages, it picks up more of the nuanced things and the that's uh, where you get the, uh, vanilla, the vanilla and, and the, the yeah, mm-hmm. oak and all mm-hmm. those other. Things and and because I really love those flavors, and because they also pair really really well with cigars that has a tendency to be where i go yeah and um, tequilas tend to work around cigar flavors mm-hmm. like so right they don't push each other right yeah. even uh, so they kind of complement each other versus just go along with each other mm-hmm. uh, like a cigar the flavor of a cigar for whatever reason doesn't interfere too much with tequila and vice versa whereas Agreed. some things that you have together either complement each other or change the flavors of each other these these two things generally Work around. Another thing I think is really interesting about this uh, tequila is, and this sounds like a no-brainer, but this gets better the more you drink it. Yeah, it's like you're, and, and I don't, I don't mean that because you're, you know, getting loopy. I mean, like the fifth or sixth sip of this, the flavor is 
more pronounced than the first one. You or start two. picking up different nuances mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. as well. And, well, there's but there's a truth. Some things you drink, like the first couple sips of it, are like, oh, that's really nice. But then after you uh, uh, drink more and more of it, sometimes those flavors can be a little too rich and wear on you. Or right, and or they, they, they kind didn't of have the same sort of palate. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's tequila is almost the opposite, or this tequila at yeah. least is is almost the opposite. I uh, yeah this. This really makes me want a cigar, I will say. <laughs> Did you bring anything with you? <laughs> I have no cigars. Oh, I have one in the car. Ah, see? see? Yeah, to go with my two beers that you yeah. brought me. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting. I, uh, I, uh, I was so surprised that uh, in your uh, beer shipment order... Uh, that you had uh, Bud Light and a Coors Light, I would never have. Uh, I would never <laughs> so, have expected those so I gotta, to be the ones I, I, that you ordered. So I, I get a shipment of beer once every uh, month or so, mm-hmm. and and I send it to Cruz's place because he has a concierge that can sign for it, and I'm mm-hmm. not always home. So uh, what I'm surprised by though is that I usually think that there's going to be ten to twelve beers or more in this box, and there's almost always only two, and I don't know why last time was like a Chilada and a, That's and right. a, and yes. a Bud Light Lime. That's I mean, right. And, and I don't remember ordering those. Well, this time it looks like you ordered a Coors Light <laughs> because the mountains are, are, are blue. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the other one looks like, what is this? Uh, oh, that's a, uh, yeah, it's correct. Is, is, is Backfish going um, gonna, to uh, come up with some kind of uh, um, uh, can technology that allows <laughs> you to see when your can is cold? Yes, that's called feel. <laughs> it's called fingers. <laughs> yeah, you touch yeah. it. It's cold. You mean you can do that without having to look at mountains? Yeah, uh, apparently you can. It's, it's it's a new. You don't have to spend. How much do you think that cold activated can cost? Oh, Ooh, Anheuser Busch. Uh, is it is it the same technology as mood rings? That's what I'm guessing it is, right? <laughs> because that's what they said. Like right. like you remember mood rings? So like oh, when yeah, we were yeah. a kid, right? And and uh, they said that. What changes the color on the mood ring is actually just the body heat from right, your fingers. Right. So um, it really has nothing to Those do with Those are for your people mood. who need to look at their ring to find out what mood they're in. Oh, gee. I don't know if I like Ian or not. Let me look at my ring and see. <laughs> oh, it says here I like him okay. So, And here's your pet rock. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a Chia pet for you for Christmas. Right. All right. So I tell you what, this I'm enjoying this tequila. We'll uh, sip a little more of this while we go to break. And then when we come back, we got a couple more uh, Backfish beers. What uh, what else are we There's, sampling today? Uh, we got Cheap Sunglasses, our uh, oh, Pale Ale. Yes, yes. And um, Gravity, our double IPA. Oh yeah, uh, Define Gravity is yeah, uh, is is this? Well, I'll ask you this question when we come back because we'll be talking about uh, we'll be talking about that. It's smoking and toasting. It's show number one hundred and forty-two. Backfish is in the house, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting, and we are so thrilled to have you uh, hanging out with us on the program today and uh, enjoying show number one hundred and forty-two. Uh, Caleb from Backfish, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks for and, having me, and thanks for bringing uh, ice cold beers. I, I, I he brought these in from the uh, uh, from the cooler uh, during the break, and I uh, actually used my fingers and touched them, and I said, "You can't tell the mountains are blue." You can't tell without you, so having you, mountains. You don't trust the, the touching and the actual tactile method yeah. you're using is flawed. Okay, all right, I understand. What if, what if your fingers are particularly <coughs> cold? Then you wouldn't tell that the can's cold. Or what so if, you're saying without the mountains, you I'm just, just no way to know. 
Sorry, I hope I hope our listeners actually pick up on how ridiculous I think yes. the, the, the mountains are. I have a feeling they probably do. <laughs> I have a feeling. Well, you so. know, some people are very literal, and, 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 and that's not that's not anything bad. It's just some people are way more literal than I am. That's, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm not one of those people. Uh, Uprocks is a very uh, very cool uh, website that does you know some very interesting articles, some interesting lists. Uprocks is U P R O X X because that's the way you would have to spell it, uh, particularly if you had one hand on a beer trying to figure out if the mountains were blue or not. Um, but they've done a very interesting list of uh, what they consider to be the top independent American whiskeys, and I thought we'd review this list because I thought uh, it'd be interesting. I don't know. If you've had all of these, Ian, but I suspect you've had a few of them, and you'd find it interesting. Uh, the, the editor's pick was Burnside Oregon Oaked Bourbon. It's a uh, really nice sort of pale blue label, and I don't believe I've ever seen mm-hmm. this one before uh, So from Oregon. So we'll have to look and, and get, uh, get our hands on some of that. The next one, however, I believe we've seen. It's Garrison Brothers Texas Straight Small Batch Bourbon Whiskey on my from shelf. Garrison Brothers in Texas. That was such a good. Th- those guys were guests on the show. Wow, on my shelf. That's that was so a, good. That was a great show. <laughs> it was a great show. You know, Caleb. Uh, people occasionally ask us <coughs> what it was that you know made us start doing the show, and the mm-hmm. answer is really quite simple, uh, and that is. Samples, samples. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the whole that's we're, the whole motivating factor. Yeah, we're 142 episodes in. Samples, samples. Um, so uh, the next one is Koval, K O V A L, Koval single barrel bourbon from Illinois. Uh, does that ring a bell with you at all, Ian? Koval, don't know that I, one. I, I, it looks, it doesn't look familiar to me, but uh, but it does look delicious. Uh, New York Distilling's Ragtime Rye. These are all independent American mm-hmm. whiskey makers. So. Uh, but uh, New York Distilling's Ragtime Rye from New York. I have not seen this before the article either. Uh, then we come to one that I have seen, but I don't remember where. It's Cedar Ridge, Iowa bourbon from Iowa. Mm, not familiar with that. Yeah, I don't think of Iowa as a big, uh, you know, big bourbon place, but perhaps. Well, you know, until a few years back, no one thought of Texas that way either. <clears throat> and that is changing, thanks to people big like time. Garrison Brothers. Big time, yeah. Absolutely. American Oak Single Malt Westland Distillery from Washington. Uh, now, I do think of the um, the Pacific Northwest as being a, a, a hot spot not only for brewing, but also for, uh, uh, for micro-distilling and for uh, craft mm-hmm. distillers. So that doesn't surprise me that they are represented here. How about Templeton Rye uh, from Templeton Iowa? Templeton Rye. Yeah, yeah, but that's... We both had that. Uh, Port Cask Finished Virginia Highland Whiskey from Virginia. I don't think of Virginia as having Highlands. but uh, That sounds good, though. It does sound good. And it's a really nice-looking bottle, too, for what that's worth. And finally, Balcones Baby Blue. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. So props to uh, two, two distilleries we've had on the mm-hmm. show who made this list, Balcones and, and uh, Garrison Brothers. Yeah. And that Balcones is good now. Um, when we had them on the show, I wound up taking home the bottle that was just their kind of like the regular bourbon, the mm-hmm. the one of the less expensive bottles. That's one of the uh, that's one of my go tos. Like that bourbon is so easy to to just go to. It's got that cinnamon yeah. vibe to it. It's just it's just. I really think I terrific. have a little bit left of the rye that. Oh yeah, you took the rye. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Again, samples, Uh Caleb. That's samples. uh, That's what it's all about. (laughs) Speaking of samples, we have some samples in front of us here. Are we uh, ready to try some cheap sunglasses? Yes, we are. I kind of wish we had the song queued up. (coughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. It's you know, one can only assume that this is uh, uh, in homage to 
that little old band from Texas, uh, ZZ Top, that did the Cheap Sunglasses song. That's a great song. It really oh, it is. is. Too. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's actually from the period of their... Um, their development or their uh, their fame when they were getting huge airplay for legs and some of the things that you think of as more pop and maybe less you know authentic ZZ Top, but the reality is that uh, that's that's just one of their most ZZ songs of all time. Oh yeah, it's it, very it really is. So now you uh, have one there in your hand. Uh, Are we so going to do this the same time? Stereo. Oh. It's stereo. You ready? Three. One or three? Go ahead. Two, one. Wow, I like that. That was we we use only the uh, the most authentic uh, and expensive sound effects. When, yeah, size, whenever it's available sure to us, hand opening and stereo. Sure, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so cheap I, I, I wanted to point out that Brian also put up a, a question. He's asking, uh, and this is pertaining to the the I think our previous conversation with the. Uh, Cold activated can. He said, mm-hmm. "Is this a vortex can?" Oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> yeah, because that. you know nothing makes beer taste better than swirling it around <laughs> when you're pouring it through a bottleneck that's this long. By the way, it has a huge way, effect on it. By the way, I, their marketing worked. I bought one. the The marketing worked. The vortex did not. The beer just poured right over it. It was the stupidest thing ever. I I, I don't get it. Um, uh, let me ask you this, Caleb. Cheap Sunglasses uh, is uh, basically labeled as an American pale ale. What is the difference in brewer's terms between an American pale ale and something that would be classified as an IPA or an American IPA? Where, When does India uh, figure into the description? Or does it? Well, um, is this one mine? Awesome. Uh, with this, uh, pale ale... And an IPA, there's yeah. What's the somewhat, difference between a pale ale? There's and an IPA? somewhat a gray area in between. <coughs> Makes sense. Um, marketing, mm-hmm. uh, but this one, uh, this pale ales are to me are a little less bitter. Right. They're more fruit forward hops. Um, I don't think of them as being as as heavy hop. Like you don't. You don't think of a double or an imperial pale ale. I mm-hmm. suppose they could exist. The alcohol can, yeah, content. Right. Also, right. Um, pale ale is going to be just a little bit less than an IPA, mm-hmm. and uh, and that does make sense. Like you think of like the sort of classic pale ale that you think of would be Sierra Nevada, which right. t- Sierra Nevada pale ale, which to me tastes very much like an IPA. Like I don't, I don't really taste a lot of different, or it tastes like some of the IPAs that I like the most. I guess is is a good way to say it. It's a little citrusy and it's got. Some of that nice bitter without being overly hopped. But this is, um, first of all, very refreshing for, for a pale. This, uh, unlike most pale ales, this has kind of a malty finish to it. Well, Usually you taste malty up front. This has malty. <coughs> on the finish. Kind of on the finish where mm-hmm. the bitters are and mm-hmm. um, and a little bit of hop snap to it at the same time. Which yes, it is does. really an interesting combination. Um, I like this. This is... This is a lot of fun. I think of pale ales maybe as being a little crisper than IPAs. Does that make any sense, yeah, or is this can, just where, where my head goes? Um, no, it's definitely. I, I could see a pale ale like um, having a nice crisp finish. Mm-hmm. IPAs as well. Um, IPA is going to be hopped at a heavier rate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and have a little more alcohol. Uh, it does say here that it's brewed with uh, El Dorado and Mosaic hops, no rhinestones. Exactly. So, no rhinestones. <laughs> so that's good to know. Um, this is how how long ago did the brewery release uh, Cheap Sunglasses? Do you know? I'm I'm not exactly sure. Whenever the beer came out, um, 
you mentioned there was an IPA in the lineup that kind of got replaced exactly by this. Exactly by right? this. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure exactly. I know this batch um, just got canned last week. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, wonder, no wonder it tastes so good. super fresh. fresh, yeah. I have oh, to yeah. tell you, I'm going to have to go back and forth between the all y'all and cheap sunglasses to see what I like better. Interesting. I'm pouring hard to see what happens here. But uh, <laughs> this, uh, this this beer, we use uh, the more fruit-forward mm-hmm. hops. Right. There's, there's Citra and Mosaic, right? Mm-hmm. Citra mm-hmm. and Mosaic, El Dorado. It, it, let me ask you a question about hops. Um, is... Has the explosion in craft beer made good quality citra hops, let's say, harder to get because it's used in so much in stuff? Everything. Yes. 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 Or, or are they some... just growing more and every and the demand's being met? Um, no, the de- they uh, the demand is way above what they're uh, they're putting out. They uh, sometimes it's a scavenger hunt to try to find some of these hops. Wow. So as a as a brewer, does that put you in a position where you may have something that you really want to make and release but you have to wait because the the hops that the you want just you can't source them at that point in time exactly it's wow that's um, interesting i never thought of that but that i bet that does happen especially with the new hop craze like mm-hmm. the the hazy ipas and things that are just massively right, hopping, using massive like, amounts mm-hmm. of hops yeah they're um they're really it's the like citra and el dorado are really hard to find right now and can those only be grown in certain areas in other words you can't just Find a new farmer in Del Rio, Texas, to grow citra hops or whatever. El Dorado seed and toss it in your right. backyard. <laughs> well, the uh, actually um, with the hops, some of them are trademarked. Like um, oh, right. only so certain you... farms, they they have the rights to grow them. Oh, wow. So you know, when I was a kid, my mom had a garden behind the house, like all the time. We always lived uh, in a place where she would have a little bit of a backyard and could have a garden, and she would grow corn and potatoes and tomatoes and and you know green onions and things like that and. I would always have to go weed the garden and, and you know water and stuff. If I if she had just grown hops, I'd have been so much more interested. <laughs> you know, I'd have been I'd have been so into that whole uh, hops or maybe like uh, wrapper tobacco. You know what I'm saying? Like I would have been like, Mom, this is awesome. Instead, I you was know, just like, Do I really have to weed the garden? We had that a little bit, and uh, my mom always tried to go uh, grow rhubarb, but we'd just chew on it. We'd, <laughs> we'd go out there and break a stalk and yeah. chew. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I just I'm just fascinated by the whole. You know, we got to uh, visit in Honduras the uh, tobacco farms for uh, JRE and Aladino, and you know, it was it was fascinating, like looking at farming in just a completely different way from what I was used. To. I actually grew up in a small town, a farming community, mm-hmm. so you know, we farmed peanuts and all kinds of stuff in in this uh, area where I lived. Uh, but I never had the kind of respect for it I did in mm. Honduras in the tobacco fields. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a feeling I would be just the same way about hops. Like, mm-hmm. how cool would that be to uh, to be well, able to see Well, I think knowing the end result, too, raises the interest level. Of course. I've actually course. given uh, growing hops a try. It's very hard to do in the Texas heat. I bet. I <laughs> yeah. bet. Yeah. They I, did great until about mid-July, <laughs> and then they just uh, turned brown. How long does it, does it take from... Say the time you plant a small hop plant or a plant uh, from the seed before it gets to the point where it would be it's harvestable. growing harvestable hops. Well, uh, hops are uh, planted um, with rhizomes, kind of like uh, what how wine vines are. Okay, right. um, and they plant so them. So it's over time. Then. Early March, they try to do it like around the last frost, mm-hmm. and they're normally grown in the Pacific Northwest. Right, and um, they harvest them August September. So around then, you'll see a lot of breweries that'll put fresh hot beers out. 
So cooler and wetter right, environments. Right. Mm-hmm. And those uh, single hop, dry hop type uh, uh, beers that are like those very new hops that have just been harvested mm-hmm. come in. That's fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brewers will have those uh, hops like overnighted in and mm-hmm. get them in the kettle like days after they've been mm-hmm. picked in the fields. That's, uh, that makes that makes some sense. Like if, if it's in your backyard, you might as well take advantage of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so cheap sunglasses is this your flagship at this point for backfish? I would say it's it's one of our it's one of our best sellers, if not yeah. the best seller. Yeah. What about uh, what about Defying Gravity? Is this more of a specialty or is this uh Defying Gravity is our double IPA? Yeah. So um, it's going to be a little higher on the alcohol level. It's a uh, it's a different hop profile. Yeah. It's more piney. Right, and, um, as opposed to the um, citrusy, this is more and of a dank. citrusy, citrusy, in the, in the like this one's more dank, right, citrus, right. and uh, defined gravity's gonna be more of that pine. It's got some uh, classic hops, and they're like Chinook. Right, now that the uh, the sort of uh, hazy and and juicy IPA craze has sort of, I, I don't know that it's fair to say it's died down, but it's it's no longer a craze. It's now about how it just affects. The mm-hmm. IPA scene as a whole is did that kind of move into a place where it's a hotter thing than the uh, you know the the more uh, piney hop type thing um, or or is which, which is there more appetite for you think in the IPA community? I think there's appetite for everything because different people like different things. Right. Um, the hazy IPA and we all call it a craze, but mm-hmm. so many breweries are doing it now. Yeah. I, it really, you can't call it a craze anymore. Everyone, everyone's doing it. Right, know? right, exactly. Go ahead. Ooh, ooh, that that sounded rife with promise. <laughs> and that that's another thing in our tap room. Um, we release some small batch like IPAs and things mm-hmm, that you can mm-hmm. only get in the tap room. That uh, always fascinates me, and and I but I'm always worried that I will find my new favorite beer. I, I'm an IPA guy. Ian's more. Like the you know the darker beer stouts and the porters guy, he's a big fan of barley wine. I enjoy those things too, but but IPA is kind of where my heart is, and uh, I'm always afraid I'll go to the tap room, I'll find my new favorite beer, and then I'll only be able to get it like for a few weeks or a few months. Well, that's whenever uh, you uh, talk to the bartender and you tell them how much you like it. Yeah, yeah. And then they uh, get they get a hold of uh, someone like me, and uh, we make sure that that. Uh, feedback gets listened to and you might find it on the shelves so what is the what is the process there like like how if you put something out in the tap room you're thinking of it as a tap room only or limited release mm-hmm. and it gets like a great response like what how big would that have to be to make you guys decide okay we're gonna we're gonna go into production on this uh in in cans and release it to the stores i mean it's it's really if we get a good response like we've We've had uh, the last last week, for instance, we released uh, all y'all with uh, Blackberry. It nice. did extremely well. Nice. I think um, we put out thirty gallons of it, and it kicked in less than two days. Wow, wow, that's and so cool, though. So that one's definitely going to be back, um, and you know that kind of perks us up. Mm-hmm. You see that right. you get you excited know? about that? Yeah. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And then absolutely. you know that's why we uh, we kind of uh, consider. On what we're going to put out to them, you know, in, in our production right. line. So I'm going to assume that Defying Gravity is a NASA reference. I don't know that it is, but I'm going to guess that it is. With uh, with you having a good ZZ Top reference for all y'all, um, just a little uh, 
spaceman helmet. Yeah, spaceman yeah. helmet. I like it. I um, it. This is a now, Ian. I know that this this style of IPA is less to your taste than other styles. So talk to me about how this. Well, uh, you, you, you say that. Okay, so I, I am less IPA than I am generally the maltier beers. However, double IPAs and bigger IPAs I generally like better than I like not so double IPAs. Interesting. Um, the, because like uh, a brewer will do like this. This is not. This is not a bitter pine cone, stuck in your teeth kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that drives me nuts, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think a lot of that is the uh, the 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 last hop that they do the the dry hopping mm-hmm. on the end that, that makes it so bitter. Um, and this to me has a great finish to it, and I don't know what the. Uh, ABV is on this. It has a little bit of a boozy feel, but it's, a it's double. Really right? I want to so say I'm, I'm not eight, nine. I think it's about seven and a half. Actually, it's, okay. this is really good though. But I like the finish on this because it doesn't leave you with that pine cone, overly pine cone bitterness sort of vibe, that yeah. just sticks to the. Yeah, it just makes you ah, you know. The beer, it, this one actually, it, it washes over your palate. You get it, yes. and then it's gone. And that's and so I like this because of that. But you definitely um, get the. Uh, get the hoppy right up in your face flavor mm-hmm. but in this it's a little more perfumey in a really nice way it's not well, it's not just i think that when the um when the big ipa craze hit before the hazy thing when it, all of a sudden everybody was trying to make the biggest and hoppiest ipas they could make there was a, a maybe a subset of ipa fans that were like just the hoppier the better so yeah. everybody was trying to out hop everybody else mm-hmm. i'm i'm glad that that trend has subsided well and now people are making big ipas that have some balance to them and this is a perfect this is example a very balanced yeah. ipa mm-hmm. and i will tell you if you're put off by ipas that are too hoppy to the point where it's it's just too bitter this is not that this is this is one that i would put in my uh in my stable of ipas that i that yeah. i go to right because of that whereas generally i avoid certain ones that are just that are just too, you know, too bitter, too pinecone, too yeah. floral, like, right. and not uh, and not balanced. This right here has a lot of balance. That defying gravity has a big malt backbone. That's a large part of it too, right? Because you're you're really a malt guy, I think, yes. at heart. Uh, whereas I might be a hops guy, you're a malt guy, and that I've noticed that when we have beers where the malt is a larger part of the profile. That you have a tendency to like those definitely, and, and, definitely. and feel like they are, they are to your palate. But definitely, uh, and and whereas like an IPA that's way hop balanced, especially on the tail end, you'll tend to appreciate. I'll tend to immediately back off of. Right. right. So this is not that though. This has a finish that that I don't care if you if you don't even particularly like IPAs. This this has a finish right. that Absolutely. probably fixes that problem for Absolutely. you. Absolutely, I I think it's delicious. Do you have? Uh, a favorite Ian out of the four that we've sampled here today. Mm. It's a tough one. I think cheap sunglasses is my uh, my knee jerk reaction, but I'd have to do some more research between all y'all and cheap sunglasses. Those think, are great. Yeah, I think cheap sunglasses would be the one that I would, and already is, but it would be the one that I would say I'll drink that one the most mm-hmm. out of out of what w- was here. But uh, Defying Gravity is one of those, like, I need a couple of those in the fridge at all yeah. times. And and the others are, with with summer coming, like, they really are perfect. Or summer, it's not coming, it's so, here, you know? Yeah. So. You know, you say, I, I'm, not, I'm not the hop guy a lot of times, and I get that. But in my refrigerator, if you look in there, there's almost always some kind of large hoppy beer. It's either mm-hmm. Ghost in the Machine now, 
right. or Dogfish Head 90 Minute, and this will be in that rotation now, nice, or nice. an Arrogant Bastard, or well, something like that. But that's I'm going to tell you, Caleb, that list, that's high praise. What he just said right there, you're talking some of the yeah. but most if you respected that list, ideas those are out there. Very balanced IPAs, mm-hmm. well, of course even they though are, they're yeah. all kind of on the bigger side of IPA, they're very mm-hmm. balanced IPAs. And that, to me, that's what makes a, a good IPA. It's not just slamming hops in your face. I was going to mention I got really excited at HEB. I went uh, grocery shopping with my wife. And so once she gets tired of me, like, helping her with the produce, you know, uh, she'll go, why don't you go choose you some <laughs> beers? Go look right? at beer. So, <laughs> so I go around the corner to the beer, and they have the, you know, the individual cans, you uh-huh. know, where you get the whole six-pack. So I always like to try uh, different things and sometimes get some beers for the show or whatever. Uh, and I got really excited because... They had the dogfish head sixty minute in the in the make your oh, own you can six grab pack. A couple. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll make a whole six pack of sixty minute because you can't buy <laughs> dogfish head sixty minute for like a six pack for like nine ninety nine. That's that's <laughs> that's not happening. So uh, I'm I'm gonna do that. So anyway, so I got some sixty minute. That's good. But the ninety, I think, is their sort of crowning it. Uh, well, I think I think. Like, if you're going to take a pinnacle of the style, I think Dogfish Head 90 Minute is one of the best IPAs that has ever been made. Well, that one, the two-hearted ale is right Lone there. Lone Pine Yellow Rose, don't forget. Um, Lone Pine Yellow mm-hmm. Rose is, is very, very drinkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, so there's a there's a certain level of IPA, I think, that you get to balance-wise that I really, really enjoy. And if it's just not that level of balance, I, I don't have time for it. Um, Caleb, tell us a little bit about the uh, brew pub, where it's located, what uh, what nights are the best to come, all of that. Um, the brew pub, we're uh, we're located in Pearland. Um, we're open seven days a week, just south okay. of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really easy to get to. Um, we're open seven days a week, Monday through Friday. It's three to ten. Um, and what day of the week does your like beer your beer of the week change? We normally um, put our new beer out every Thursday. Every Thursday, okay. Um, nice. We have some other special releases. You, um, like Saturday, we're releasing Scotch Ale. That's new. Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> you saw Ian's eyebrow go up. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just if you uh, watch our Facebook page, mm-hmm. uh, we do we have trivia nights on um, Wednesdays. We're fixing to start a um, cornhole league. Nice. I love for the those of you for those for of you outside of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Do people in other states? No, there's no, other people. No, 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 there definitely really? is. Yes, okay. yes. I have some uh, some uh, family in North Carolina, and they love cornhole. Okay, well then, okay. then I'll just leave it. Uh, and Californians are actually getting on yeah, the, well, uh, yeah. the bandwagon. <laughs> Can not, also be known as washers if you use a different game piece, so yes, to speak. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you guys, uh, you guys have a league that uh, that comes. Yeah, in? we're uh, we're fixing to start up a um, a league. It's uh, I think Father's Day is going to be the first tournament. Nice. And um, it's going to be a weekly thing. And uh, like I said, we have um, trivia night. We're going to start. We have uh, retro uh, video game tournaments. I mean, we just ha- we try to have fun. That's know? awesome. We're uh, very very dog friendly. Oh, so that's if you want to bring your dog yep. out, that's even better. Um, I think that it's. Uh, I, I love the fact that as the craft beer industry has grown and matured, that the focus has really kind of shifted, uh, particularly with newer and smaller uh, craft breweries, to what's happening at their location, yeah. at the tap room and and uh, at at the brew pub. Where do you see things going next? I mean, I think we've we've seen. 
so the way that craft beer has sort of evolved into this last couple of years is that first we had the uh, you know all the acquisitions, the guys getting bought up. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there seemed to be a focus very much on tap rooms and, and brew pubs. Mm-hmm. Now what we're seeing is the bigger guys who are still craft beer. So think Sam Adams, think Sierra Nevada. Um, these guys seem to be struggling a little bit. If and to define struggling, I would say just not growing as fast. Well, and some of the some of the little guys are growing uh, faster. Go ahead. I think identity-wise, some of the bigger guys like that have a problem coming back down and feeling local. Right. I think, I think that's right. a yeah. part of it. I think, I, that's I think a you're part absolutely of it. right. And there, and there absolutely are. And you're seeing mergers now like right. uh, Sam Adams and Dogfish Head, right. uh, which I think seems like it would be a good thing for both of those. Mm-hmm. Dogfish Head would be good for them for distribution because Sam Adams really has got that part of the mm-hmm. equation nailed. And for Sam Adams, I think Dogfish Head makes them a, a little, little spice a little there. more relevant in a fresh right, kind of right, a way right. you know uh, uh, but uh, but where do you where do you see things going do you do you think any of these bigger guys may wind up out of the game um I mean it's definitely because growth trying to find money to right. exp, you know expand and keep stay big mm-hmm. um, I see things in the future getting more hyper local yeah like uh, like us for instance I mean we're our tap room. You're uh, very much about Pearland, Texas, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we tr- we tend to do things that you know our people, our our right. patrons uh, want. Well, there's something to be said for being able to go down to the tap room that's just not so far away from. It's close to your house, and that's yeah. your hometown. Especially if they have good beer, you can be proud of that thing. You mm-hmm. know, we all we all want to be proud of the things that are right around us that are our local stuff, well, right? You know? Because that's hometown. Our people, you know? right? That's hometown. It's our peeps. Yeah. So I think when you have that, and then you have some small distribution around the area or even the state. I don't know how big your distribution is, but I see it uh, when I go to the grocery store. I mm-hmm. see your beers all the time, um, which I think is great because then if if I've gone to your tap room and go, that's great. I can pick some up here, or maybe I just find it and go, that looks interesting. But I think there's that local pride that everyone has, like mm-hmm. for your for your high school pride or your or your community pride or your your city pride, those right. kind of things. Exactly. That that when you put out a great product and you have a great place to hang out and you're good for the community, I think there's a large part of that that helps keep that whole like yeah, you said, that local that local brewery going, you know. I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think that's been one of the coolest developments of the whole craft beer mm-hmm. phenomena with maybe the first being just how easy it is to find good beer now yeah. but i think the second is what it's meant for communities for neighborhoods even in in some cases like like inside the the city of houston uh, it can be about what what craft breweries in your neighborhood yeah. it's a few streets over that you can go and 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 hang out at the tap room and mm-hmm. and do that thing so um, I, you guys were a were a brew pub already, so the beer to go ruling won't really change anything for really you. Really doesn't right? affect us. I yeah. think there was one thing with the beer and ale distinction mm-hmm. that might, but other than that, is the beer to ale distinction mostly an alcohol content? Well, the thing is, in Texas, um, there's an ale lot before. Uh, before uh, there's an ale license, which is. Um, over five uh-huh, percent, okay. and a beer is below five percent. So you actually, if you were a production brewery, you had to you had to pay for two different licensing. Gotcha. To mm-hmm. be be able to produce something that's less than five or more. Okay, so I'm so glad that you said that because I was trying to explain this uh, 
about a week ago to a friend of mine, and that's that's the line that I drew. I think I, I said, I think if it's below five, it's beer and above, be, it's, right, yeah. it has to be ale. That's why you see. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. but I didn't know that there was a licensing distinction, which makes sense because you know you can make more money if you have to buy two licenses and you're the state. Exactly. And with the brew pub, um, we don't fall under any of those, so we nice. can make. What, right. you know, I think up to like 17%. As long as it's not over 17%, we're good. <laughs> and people can take it home, right? Yes. Um, that That's the cool thing about us. If you, um, you if uh, Obviously, our beers are available in stores, mm-hmm. but you can also come to the brew pub and fill growlers. We have a growler machine. We have six packs to go. Um, so, yeah. Distinction for people who don't know, growlers are giant glass vessels. Mm-hmm. Crowlers are large cans that they will right. can for you right there. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, so two more questions for me, and uh, Ian just took, took us right to the first one. Um, you guys obviously can for what goes out to the stores. Mm-hmm. I realize this is more economic, uh, economically feasible for smaller breweries. And I love cans. Particularly when... Uh, uh, particularly when you can uh, you know do the wraps and stuff on mm-hmm. on lower runs Cans and are stuff. Than bottles. So for somebody like me who's just uh, uh, clinging to the old school and and loves beer in a bottle, uh, should I just give it up? Is cans the way everything's going? As much as like cans are just easier to take places. You're not allowed Ian, glass Ian loves, everywhere. Ian loves cans, by the way. Cans are more portable. They uh, don't get any UV. Um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, no UV um, um, impacts, yeah. yeah, yeah, leakage, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> corruption, it's not Sorry. really leakage, but so yeah. um, so there's uh, they're just they're just more portable. Plus, uh, you know, it's a sealed unit. There was never a cap off of it, so to speak, right. until mm-hmm. one, like like once you put it on there, it's on there. It's not. I recognize really all of, of the advantages um, of which you speak. They're my more, feeling, my feeling on if you see a brewery that puts out bottles and cans, they're only putting bottles out to take up face space in the grocery store. Really? Yeah. Really? Cans are the ultimate uh, packaging. And see, I thought it was for me because I got all excited when I saw a St. Arnold Art Car IPA in bottles because I'd always seen it just in cans. I got so excited I bought it, like I immediately bought some. Like I must support this this movement, you know, sort of a thing. But uh, but yeah, I, I I guess it's so I've even about got, face space in on the shelves. I've even mm-hmm. gotten to the point where if I see it in twelve packs in cans or bottles, I'll generally just buy the cans. Wow, because so frankly, at the house, I'm probably going to pour it into a glass anyway. Well, and well then I'm, I'm going to do that with either one. I just like the bottles. but. Here's the other the thing: the cans too. stack. Yeah, cans will stack. They go in coolers better. They do like so much. Probably are more so easily better. recyclable. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just. I don't know. I'm. I'm old school like that. I, I, you I can't like. shotgun a beer in a bottle either. I bet your friend Mark could. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone could do it, he would be the guy. And I think the can stigma that everyone used to have is starting <coughs> to. It's, yeah. it's it's going away. You, you know what my primary thing is? I think uh, I I really like my beer cold. And if I'm in a situation where I'm not able to pour it into a glass and I'm drinking it out of the can, I usually don't enjoy that last ounce and a half. Well, you saved a better koozie. Because it's gotten too long. <laughs> well, actually, my wife bought me the Yeti Those one. Yeti koozies? So, there you go. And they're, they're pretty darn good. Of so course, they're a, little, they're a little sucky to keep in your pocket. But, yes, yes. But, man, they are effective. Mm-hmm. Yes. They, are, they, are, they are effective. <laughs> uh, last question for you, uh, with this being your... You know your thing now. You're you're getting uh, into the saddle at uh, at Backfish. What is coming up? That what are you working on or dreaming about? That it's okay for you to uh, divulge. 
I think uh, mostly just playing around our tap room. Um, we're going to have some little kind of experimental type things. Uh, well, something you, you that mentioned a Scotch ale. That's that's yeah. definitely. I'm going to have to come in yeah. next week because I'm, I'm going to be in Austin on Saturday. Yeah. So. Well, just let me know when you can come in. I'll make sure there's a Scotch ale on tap. <laughs> <you know? laughs> See, this is samples and. Uh, you know, uh, accessibility to the brewers. So I know you can, a guy. Yeah, so you can go. <laughs> I know a guy. But uh, right. we're also about to add um, nitro taps to the to the uh, tap room. Really? Mm-hmm. We're so, going to experiment mm. some with that. Uh, I've got a an English mild in the uh, pipeline that we're going to. That's I think that might be our nice. first beer on the. Uh, How fun! An English mild. That now that's not something you hear about a lot. I love when yeah. people go out and try styles that you just don't see. That you just don't yeah. see. Yeah, love yeah. that. But yeah, just uh, if you watch our Facebook page, and we'll announce whenever that's going to be tapped and uh, all the future stuff. Awesome! I'll be uh, subscribing to your Facebook. Page yes, here. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, uh, Ian, you want to put in a vote for what did you say? An ESB. An ESB. Yeah, and, and I'll put a vote in for a hazy. I'd love to see okay. you guys do a hazy. Actually, idea. brewing one tomorrow for the tap oh, room. So. See, I love this. I love this. If so. I don't see an ESB coming down the pipeline, I'm going to get some sidewalk chalk and just paint the road in front of your house. <laughs> <laughs> Need an ESB. Uh, Caleb is with Backfish. They are in Pearland, Texas. And uh, I, I, I love, you know, one of the biggest things that I've taken from our conversation today is how important it seems to be to you guys to, no matter how widely distributed you become or what kind of notoriety you begin to get that you really retain your identity as a local uh, brew pub that's that, a big part that of seems we, to really yeah. come through and i love that i, I just think it's awesome i think it's awesome community's well, king thank you caleb for being on the show and for drinking tequila with us and uh, for bringing these wonderful uh, samples i think we pretty much loved everything so yeah uh, great beer so, uh, thank you. if you will just you know put something on the can so that we can figure out when they're cold I, I think it'd be. <laughs> I, I think would be your, your can, biggest can you fans ever. Tax it yeah. or, <laughs> or what's what's the, uh, uh, an ingredient label? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ian, do you have anything left in any of those open cans over there? Yes. Uh, pour There's me something so I, can, I think I drink the rest of that. Pour There's me something so I can uh, toast you uh, out at the end of the show here. I want to thank you guys for being a part of uh, Smoking and Toasting number one forty two. Uh, somewhere in my notes, I have what will be going on in next week's show, but I don't remember. So I think we'll just. <laughs> you know what uh, we're probably going to do. We're probably going to drink and talk about uh, stuff. Uh, you know, I think that might be the case. I think that might be That's the gonna case. That's going to be our new like yeah. tagline. Yeah. Smoking and toasting. We drink, we drink and talk, we about, talk stuff. about stuff. It's kind of what our intro says, actually, <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, thank you, John Egan, for that. Have a uh, great <laughs> week, my friends, and uh, we will see you back here next week for number 143. Smoking and toasting. Cheers. Backfish. Man, I like that cheap sunglasses. So good, isn't it?